There are over 1,000 UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. government has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies these as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us as Mac, Juan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that even baffle the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Hey, this is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. But, hey, girls... Let me introduce the members of the posse first. And when I say girls, I mean, get ready, sit down, <laughs> stop misting yourself. You know what that means. Get a box of Kleenex. Because the very famous one I think is, I know what it means, but I'm not sure. Is here. Hello, okay. girls. Hello, Mac. Oh, and oh. everybody else. And all yeah. ships at sea. You know where I, where I sit in the uh, fan kingdom. <laughs> I do get a lot more emails from the female fan kingdom. Yes, okay. We know that. Why are you bringing that yeah. up? I don't know. I just thought I'd rub it in a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, mission accomplished there. Unless there's some of them are coming to you and you're suppressing them just because you're well, why would jealous. I, why would I do that? We're on the air. Yeah, we're on the air. Hey, Coco, we're on the air. Nope. That didn't work. Who was that? Yeah. What happened? It's Cobra harassing us. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, all right, let's say uh, we've, we've, um, we've scratched a nerve here for a yeah. second. Happy to be here, by the way. Okay. You, have, you get more... Female emails than the rest of us? Is that what you just yeah, said? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah. You know, we haven't checked in with our uh, mail sensor in a while. <laughs> yeah, he's down in uh, Florida, actually. He's in Florida? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, last time I talked. He's down at Orchids of Asia? <laughs> he's down. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, we don't want to cut that out, man, but we're going to have to. Um, his thing is, uh, yeah, he has a place down in Florida. He has mm. a pool yeah. uh, with a float with the float device on it mm -hmm. uh, that has a uh, place for a couple of six packs and I believe a... Uh, for a couple of six packs? Yeah, a couple of six packs. Wow. And uh, I believe a little TV too. Yes, wow, it's a, a flotation TV device. A device. Yeah, it's not just a float. You right. know, it's a the flotation it's device. It's an aircraft carrier in the pool. More or less, yeah, for the pool, yeah. So <laughs> I guess he doesn't really come in that often. <laughs> he he just goes out in the he, morning. He anchors out. Yeah, right, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, uh, yeah. Well, all of a sudden we got really hot there. I don't, I don't know what's going on with this thing, Wani. Do you? Yeah, we're riding the the pots there. Yeah, um, it's kind of strange. Know. But you know, I have to say, when we hear the uh, playback, it doesn't sound that bad. So anyway, why don't we do this? Um, I get a feeling that switch isn't there. Is that true? Okay. So why don't we do this? Why don't we should we take a quick commercial break now and try to get yeah, these guys yeah, on? Okay. So. Uh, Oh, wait a second. Now, there we go. Okay, so why don't we do this? We'll take a quick commercial break now. We'll get the other two uh, co-defendants on, and, um, <laughs> you know, we'll really start the show in earnest. How's that, Dave? Okay, well, sounds okay, great. Okay, you're listening Where to Where is Mac earnest, by the way? I don't know. we got to find him, too. Um, and there's a joke there somewhere, and I don't know, you know where to go with it. So anyway, um, you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. 
We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Hey, I am Megan Reagan, the gang's favorite bartender. And you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now here's Mac. And Juan And Juan Juan. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Wow, this is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Uh, it's such a good show that we started off with like a two-minute intro, and now we're going to do another intro. Yeah, because you have more staff here now. Okay, we're, that more, voice. More entertainment. More entertainment is right. One, <laughs> one. That voice you hear, girls, is, in fact, one, one. Yes, it is. A very famous one, one. Yep. He's here. And he's in his um, head-to-toe Rolling Stones gear again. Always. Okay, always. All right. How to raise the flag. That's good. Also on the line with us, calling from the secret location and uh, rumored to be on penicillin. <laughs> they know him as Coco on the street, but we know him as Commander Cobra. Please come in. Commander. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be on the wing. The Not a rumor. Wing. Let me confirm that. Yes, I am on antibiotics. Really? Uh, he's growing I, his own penicillin. I, he's, got, I, he's got bread I took, on the windowsill. I took uh, I took some injury oh, on the did. secret mission, oh. and I have to be on penicillin for a few more days. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> what kind of injury um, can you tell wow. us about? Because there are some things they treat what with penicillin. At the secret what <laughs> happens at the secret location stays at the secret location. Oops, fine mm. with me. Jeez. So anyway, okay, so he's on penicillin. So does he get it has to be an internal kind of thing. We're talking about a bug. It, it's not uh, not Tijuana, is it? <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah. you know. Another voice. Yeah. From the I was going to say, see what's happening. The man on the way up already jumping on his. Uh, man on yeah. the way up, stepping on, on people that are yeah. on, on his, him. Yeah, on his intro. Well, that, that other voice you heard. Boys and girls, was our uh, national correspondent up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, the Bowl of Flakes, the uh, almost equally as famous Switchblade Steve Watt. Uh, great to be here. Okay. You sure? Is that it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's marginally great anyway. Okay. Marginally great. Okay. He's so. talking to us from his limousine, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what I hear in the background? His clarity is. Sounds like he has the radio my, on. My, <laughs> my cobalt with the cracked windshield. It's, yeah. it's oh, got, uh, okay. It's sort of like a map of the United States with, the, with all the cracks in it. I've got wow, it. That's a good one. And that's the car you're going to drive out here to see us in? That's funny. Uh, that okay. I heard Possible. a report today for looking for a hit and run with a cobalt <laughs> yeah. today. Isn't that funny? That, um, that uh, and, and what color was that, uh, Commander It was Cobra? a blue cobalt. All right, I'm oh, going to take... because mine is a slate gray metallic okay. cobalt, otherwise okay. known as the gray ghost. Okay. Yeah, that could not <laughs> yeah. be confused Whoops. with blue. That couldn't confuse with blue. Here's the thing. 
I'm going to take the over-under now as Ohio for me. Okay? He won't make it any further than Ohio. <laughs> hey, don't, don't not, be talking like that. Not with that windshield. I, huh? I just went no, to Point exactly. Pleasant. Okay. I've been to Pennsylvania with it just recently. You okay. know I mean? They don't care about that stuff up there. So, okay, the whole world wants to know, what did you have for breakfast this morning, Switch? I had an omelet. Uh, a, it's a kind of a Philly steak omelet, you know, with oh, the uh, ingredients. I love those. Uh, steak and uh, eggs. Except I said no mushrooms. That's okay. Steak and eggs is the astronaut's breakfast. Mm -hmm. Right? Right, Coco? Also uh, along with SR-71 pilots and U-2 pilots. Wow. Yeah, because it's a low-residue oh. uh, meal. Interesting. Okay, that's good. And coffee, et cetera? It's a low-residue uh, yeah. meal, really? Yeah. And, and a tall glass of orange juice. It's all protein. It just, it, it, it nothing, there's very steak little. Steak and eggs. Yeah, steak and eggs. Small bulk. Small bulk meal. I guess you do that more often without yeah. the the stupid bread and everything. Yeah. So that way, yeah, right. That's all. And they would feed them that. Um, that's what they would eat before they would go up. Yes. And, you know, My breakfast place has a like a steak steak bomb omelet, but you can have it any way you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And boy, a steak eating a steak in the morning that might be a little tough for me. Oh, it's, it's, in in that form, it's great. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Really. So. Oh, there's not much. It's you know. So listen, the whole gang is here, which is great. Make me hungry now. Yeah, I know. See, that's the problem. You know, other than that, and the TV doesn't work. <laughs> but, hey, we're on the radio. So yeah. uh, glad to have everyone here. So why don't we do this? You know, there was this uh, weird switch, and I were talking off the air, as they say in the biz, about what is the, you know, what is one real case, military case, where there's just, like, so much evidence that you have to say something happened, just something Rindle, happened. Rendlesham. You know, Rendlesham is one of them. The Gander one where the all the pilots were crowded up in the cockpit of the Navy plane and the yep. thing came up and flew right beside it. So you had a lot of pilots as uh, witnesses. So there was this, so I went through the, you know, the files and everything. Like I said, we talked about this, you know, before coming on the air. And this is a story from um, 1957. Now, Kobe, uh, you remember the RB-47 recon bombers? Yes, featured prominently in Wingman uh, three really? well four because I lost track of what, where you are right okay. now because you have so many so many of the volumes the right. opuses just continue to come out of the press there. He has well, a whole you, section. They, you featured Barnes and Noble, the, uh, the RB fifty seven as he made the run back to Area fifty one. Wow. Okay. All right. I have to take your word for it. I have no memory of that at all. But anyway, so what they did was oh, the creative process. Now this is a B forty seven, the B forty seven, the little brother of the B fifty two. Okay, it was like in the fifties, they basically took a fighter aircraft design and they stretched it. They needed a strategic bomb and a re reach Russia. You know, well, they, they had, needed something that had tactical kind of capability, right? Yeah, but it had strategic legs in it. And, so and, that's why they they made this particular airplane because it had a very particular maneuver it would do with that airplane. Right. They would drop the bomb and then they'd you know. Go off at they a call very it, extreme yeah, it's called, angle. It's called over the shoulder. It's okay. called an over the shoulder throw. So what happens is, is basically you run at the target, you pull up, and you do like a half loop, and you just and throw as you're the going bomb up out in there. the loop. That's when the bomb goes off. It detaches from the aircraft, so wow. you get maximum throw. Okay, yeah. and then maximum you continue momentum. up, and they go invert it, and then they do like an Immelman and dive down on the other side. So you don't get While you're describing it, Mac over here doing was again. doing it with his arms and his like. If his wristwatch catches on fire, he's a really good pilot. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so what they did was, so they, they just had this, this plane. It's kind of an odd plane because it really does kind of look like a smaller plane that was just stretched in places. And uh, it had a crew of three, and it had, um, I think, six jets. And so this thing was active like in the 50s. And so then when the B-52 came in, um, 
it, it was basically a placeholder for the B-52 because the B-52 was just much more uh, sophisticated and still around. So anyway, they took a lot of these B-47s and they made them into recon bombers is what they used to call them. Now, they wouldn't really uh, carry weapons. What they would do is they'd stuff them full of um, stuff like uh, very early primitive um, electronic countermeasures gear. And that's just like jamming gear. And they would put uh, stations for three more guys in the plane. They, I'm sure in the bomb bay because they weren't carrying bombs. And <clears throat> they would go out on these. Uh, what they would try to do is they would fly over enemy radar stations. This is in the late 50s now. This is pretty good. This is the 52 you're talking about or the 47? Uh, for the 47. 47. They, the recon 47. 47. They could fly over like their radar stations and stuff. And, and even then they could pick up the heat from the radar and they would they could direct other planes in to bomb the enemy radar sites. Wow. And that was something that was... I know they were trying to do that in Vietnam, but they were actually doing that in the late 50s, which was kind of amazing to me. So so anyway, so you have this plane, and it's out on a night mission. It takes off from Topeka, Kansas. It's like in the, in the summer of 1957. Mm-hmm. And you got the three guys up front, an engineer, two, you know, a pilot, and a co-pilot. And you got these three guys like kind of towards the back of the plane, EWO, Electronic Warfare Officers. And they're lording right, over. Two EOs, one navigator. Right. The, the third guy up front is a navigator. And, oh, okay. And they're, and they're looking at these screens, right? Mm-hmm. So they go out. They take off from Topeka. They go over Texas. They have gunnery practice, whatever that is, over right. Texas. They go out over the Gulf of Mexico, and they have a navigation exercise. And then they come back in over the Gulf of Mexico, and they kind of come in right over Gulfport, Mississippi, okay? Now, they're about five minutes from actually, like, making landfall. Mm -hmm. And the guy on one of these radar scopes that is looking for the heat signature of, you know, soon to what they've done, they've arranged to have all these Coast Guard and and Navy installations along the coast light up their radars to see if the plane could see them, right? This is four in the morning, okay? So the guy gets his stuff already, and all of a sudden he sees a, a, a heat signature. Mm-hmm. Okay, on a scope, but it's following the airplane. Okay, the airplane's going 450 miles an hour, right? And it's at like 20,000 feet, and there's something right on its tail. Mm-hmm. And he's looking, and he thinks something's wrong with the the stuff, and he's we clicking buttons, who knows? And um, and it goes away. So he does could be like a double echo or something. Or like something, that. you know, right, like he, a shadow. You know, yeah, yeah he just yeah, you would remember from your time one one. You yes, know, picking up the the sonar shadow. Same thing happens in radar right. and electronics. There you go. Right. Okay, remember that? I do remember. So anyway, so like it was yesterday. For some reason, he doesn't tell the pilot. Doesn't tell the pilot. Okay, so now the, they're flying along. They finally go out and and they're over landfall now. So they make a big turn to the left, let's say to the west, and now they're going to go up Texas and up back to to Kansas. So as soon as they make landfall, um, the thing comes back. The guy, and so then he tells the pilot, and the pilot goes, oh, "You know, are you sure?" And so on and so forth. And as he's talking, the thing starts doing rings around the B forty seven, which is a substantial airplane. Yeah. It's literally flying rings around this thing, and they're going <laughs> almost five hundred miles an hour. All right, and the guy has the electronic tape showing it all. Yeah. So the pilot goes, "Wow!" So. I think what happened is they might have changed their altitude or changed their course slightly, and all of a sudden the pilot and the co-pilot can see this thing. It's a red shape of some flying right alongside, and the pilot's going, "Wow, look at this!" You know, and so they try to turn into it, and the thing turns and stuff. All the radars on the plane are lighting up like crazy, mm-hmm. right? So he calls the local airport, all right, the local civilian airport, and they said, "You have something on your radar?" And they go, "Wow, yeah, we see it too. It's flying right alongside you," and they're going, "Wow." So he gets permission from the Air Force to chase it. 
Okay, mm. now you're in this Good. big bomber, baby. Wow. And so let's go. So they start chasing this thing, you know, and it's like four thirty in the morning over Texas. They chased this thing. And then finally they had to they ran, they ran out of fuel. They could never catch it. Mm. It would disappear, but then it would go right across their nose, they chase it, it would disappear right it was like it was playing tag with the metal. Right. Wow. Yeah. So they had to finally, you know, they they were running low on fuel, so they had to abandon that. Yeah, they just had to go back. Yeah, had to go they back. Couldn't to hand Kansas. it off to anybody. Nope, nope. And so then they sent it to Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. and Project Blue Book, after six months, sent them back a reply, and it said uh, it was an airliner. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was picked up on different radars, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Utah and so forth. Yeah, and, it was picked uh, up on a lot of. So radars. you had a classic radar visual, but on some of the radars, it just kind of winked out. Mm-hmm. But here you are. You have a plane that's full of radar equipment, and. And so they had, they have it all, you know. Someone mm-hmm. that you when when they talk about the U.S. military, you know, holding secrets back from us, what they're probably holding back is like, literally, the electronic tape of what happened that night, right? Yeah. CC, absolutely, yeah. I mean, they, they that thing got stored, it's probably been studied a bunch of times, and then it got buried in the uh, annals of history. Mm-hmm. Vietnam comes along, all the other stuff, right? And that just disappeared. Yeah, different priorities or whatever, you know. So, so yeah, that was an interesting story. And these guys, they were. Um, they were just training because they were about to go over to uh, Germany in 1958, and they were, you know, running these things up and down the Iron Curtain. I'm sure, you know. Are those guys still alive? <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. You know, but it's a that's a fairly famous case there, right, Switchy? Yes. And uh, did, did you guys know about the another famous case, non UFO though, up with an RB 47 in 1960? What happened? It was they were shot down by the Soviets. They were oh, on yeah. some kind of a. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, going from the UK up to uh, the northern part of Norway, and they claimed they were like 30 miles away, but the Soviets shot them down anyway. Huh. Two of the captains survived. They kept them in prison for seven months really? and uh, interrogated them. You know, uh, violated the Geneva, Geneva Convention. Well, it and, wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really a Geneva Convention uh, mission. Thing. So, <clears throat> do you, do you got to be careful when we start tossing that around. Tell us. Well, who's but, a signatory and who's not a signatory? I do not believe the Soviet Union signed on to the Geneva Convention. Really? No, could be. But they were pretty nasty anyway. They tried to get them to make uh, you know, sign conventions and so forth. Right. And they withstood them for seven months, and they finally released them. So, uh, but they were. So, what we're saying is that they said they were flying over Norway, but they had strayed, or they allegedly strayed no, into I don't, Russian well, airspace. No, what, 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 what I understand, maybe Cobra knows most more, that they actually, you know, were thirty miles away. So they, it does sound like the Soviets were the bad guys in this case. Wow. Well, and, I, and, and I'd be willing to bet, not familiar with this particular case, we penetrated their airspace all the time. Right. Yep. Penetrate. Uh, yes, I was waiting for that. I, obviously, I'm not, I, I, don't, uh, I don't rank the, uh, the sound effects. Okay, go ahead. So this happened. And then, of course, when you did that and you got uh, the, uh, the read that you had uh, fighters coming after you, yes. then you would go back out to neutral airspace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's the same thing that happened with KLL 007. They followed that airliner for hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it went, because they actually did fly into Soviet airspace because they had miscal, they had entered the coordinates incorrectly into the INS, so we should, <clears throat> which brought them. Um, we should do a show on that. We should do a show on that because that's a really interesting case. Those KLL. Well, the, the part that's most interesting about it is, is that uh, the you know they. We played it as, you know, it was, and it was a horrible thing that they did. Mm-hmm. They shot that plane down, but they thought they had caught an RC-135 Cobra ball mission. Moving over, right, yeah, yeah. And there was Cobra ball missions flying that night. Right. And what the Cobra balls would do is well, they would go back onto airline tracks when they were mm-hmm. being caught. 
Right, yeah, sure. Uh, it's to, to confuse it. So the Soviets were looking at it. The, the big question is, did it really look like a Cobra Ball when I got that close to take right. the shot, you know, at night going on with that thing? Right. Or were they trying to make a statement? Right. But well, there are there are guys that I have spoke to that have flown up onto airliners thinking that was their tanker hmm. at night. Yep, hmm. I can see they that. Go and, and, and they're, the tanker's, you know, eight miles away. Right. Uh, and, but they visually ID'd it, and, you know, they're getting nervous about doing a night tank. And right. And getting hooked up, and then they find out it says, you know, some airline on the side of it. So right, yeah. it, it happened. So. We should we should really do a show about that because it, but on top of all that and the fact that, you know, a lot of these kind of weird things happened that night and there were U.S. military planes in the area mm-hmm. and so on and oh, so yeah. forth. On top of it all, the space shuttle was going right over the top of it while all this was happening. And a lot of it was a military space shuttle mission, I think, which mm-hmm. they used to Correct. go up every once in a while and you wouldn't hear about them. If that's yeah. true, then that's, you know, like an, another added element to something. So we should do a... Showing that KAL 007, right? When was that? 1980 yep. or so? Yeah, I think that was right around, what, 81? I can look okay. it up while, right. while we're talking, but it was like 81. Basically, what happened was a Korean airliner leaving from uh, the United States going to uh, Korea. Seoul. Uh, Seoul, yeah, Korea. Seoul. You know, yeah. e- either straight into Russian territory or they didn't, but the Russians shot it down, killed everyone on board. And I'll tell you, that was the beginning of the end of Russia being. That was the beginning of the end because there was kind of a lot of people around the world drew the line then and said, you just can't be shooting airliners out of the air, out of you know the sky for no reason. You know the, the Israelis have done it, but you know an airliner went straight over their uh, nuclear plant in the Negev Desert, I think, um, and they shot it down as an Egyptian airliner. So I don't know. You know, September first, nineteen eighty-three. Real eighty-three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. But that was kind of the beginning of the end, don't you think? And then Kobe took over and. Well, the, yeah, I think that, that was the 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 crack that got someone like Gorbachev in, who, mm-hmm. and then of course you know had Reagan, Reagan was just yep. determined, you know, and he had the uh, the the triad that he had was yep. yeah, Thatcher yeah, yeah. and uh, Pope John Paul. So you know <laughs> that was his uh, his hammer and his yeah. anvil that he was going to break the uh, two, sickle there with pretty hey, well. Two tough dudes. Yeah. Well, if you want to go that way. Anyway, all right. Be. So listen, why don't we do this? Why don't we go the way of a commercial? And we'll be right back after the switch. You okay there, one more? Yeah, I am. Ready? Okay. And we'll talk the awesome switch. Story. And then we got a you know a rest of fun filled show for you. So listen to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks I'll show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We will be right back with the gang right after this. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft, or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 
300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Milter Axile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac right here in the studio with us here is the very famous, very famous girls, very famous one one. I'm still here. How you doing, Mac? Hello, girls. Glad you're with us tonight. Okay. Holding our hands. (laughs) Figuratively, I hope. In case there's any turbulence on the show. Oh, really? Okay. We should tell people to buckle this. In case we get shot down or something. Yeah, in case we shot down. Well, you never know. The night is young. Uh, also on the phone with us is um, joining us from his secret location and under the weather, as they say in the biz. They call him Coco on the street, but we know him as Commander Cobra. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be on the wing. And in the words of Mae West, I suggest you put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ride. ride. Wait a minute. Didn't Betty Davis say that? Not that I would know. That was Mae West. <laughs> I, th- I think it was Betty Davis. Yeah. Was it? Come on. Do we want to have a bet? We'll have a Is movie. There a We're having a movie okay. expert on later on. You well, know, they, so. they may, may, may both have said it, but I know uh, Betty Davis said it. You know, truly, you are a man going to hey, the top. Maybe they told anybody me. who can do a 180 that quickly. Yeah, really? Yeah, you know, that's true. And, and cover both, both bases. You're like you, you have Good bets point. on both sides of the table. You mm-hmm. can't lose. Good it's unbelievable. <laughs> Good point, Coco. Good point. So listen, this is uh, the man in the way up segment because that other voice you hear uh, is um, very famous, getting famous. Switchblade Steve Watt up there in the bowl flanks. It was Betty Davis, and it's great to be here. Wow, okay. It was Betty Davis, and, um, you know, we've already established that he had You're, a You are correct. I, th- I was sure it was Mae West. But they <laughs> Maybe they said it to each other. Um, you know, <laughs> he had steak and eggs for breakfast, the astronaut breakfast. <laughs> wow, okay. Switch. Man, he that looks a, pretty good doing it too. That was a wonderful impression there, Switch. We should give him a round of applause. Come on. But thank, thank you. I, I love uh, when he channels his uh, uh-huh. his inner self. It's really Betty quite Davis? nice. My, okay. Yeah. My inner Betty Davis. Yeah. Right. You know, this is the guy who complained to us about stilettos. Okay. Why yes. don't we? Yeah, but he, yeah. Why don't we? Okay. Here? Well, Cobra was right because we are going to have to strap in for this one. This report here. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. Wow. One one. Ready? Five stars. All right, okay. why don't we just uh, salute Coco okay. just to okay. get over with. Not to get over with, just so we don't no, 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 forget it. Spoken. No, no, I we just, I understand. go ahead. No, it, I'm on medication. Who cares? Okay. Right, there we go. Call it off the warning. Ten, hit. Yeah, okay. All right. That's not bad. Salute. Turn. Salute. Okay, please, switch. As you were. As you were. Carry on, lad. Uh, this is Switch's segment. We're stepping all over the man on the way up's toes here. We better watch ourselves. So, Switch, how are you doing tonight? Everything Okay. Uh, beyond wonderful. Okay, and what's your report about tonight? Your great fr- uh, report from the fringe, as they call. It. We need some theme music. Go ahead. Well, the, the way this uh, the way this report will, will fit together is that it won't fit together. Excellent. It's like having puzzle pieces from several different puzzles <laughs> that uh, that's are, perfect that for this show. Not fit together. Okay. okay. <laughs> is that it's, that's it's, the X Files theme? There? One would almost say it's a good fit for the show. Exactly. <laughs> okay, it's like we like it. We have to jam the pieces together. You know, like oh, oh, make it fit. We, okay, don't, we don't want to edit the show. Here. We don't want to edit the show. Go ahead, please. <laughs> it's 1945, cold, winter morning in February in Boston. 
a badly injured man is dropped off to the emergency ward of the U.S. Public Service Hospital. All right. Now, uh, it's kind of a, it's a it's apparently it's an ambulance, but it's unmarked. There's no name on it. It doesn't look like it's an ambulance that belongs to the hospital or a private ambulance. And the this man is really in in bad shape. So this uh, this uh, ambulance driver ambulance driver who uh, doesn't look like an ambulance driver doesn't have the uniform or anything like that helps the on duty nurse get him onto a uh, uh, an examining table. And all this mysterious visitor says is that you will call this man. Charles Jameson, and then he leaves. Hmm. So now Jameson. That's the ambulance this, driver this, saying that to the attendant? That, that is this ambulance driver, which doesn't make any sense. Okay. He should be sitting around there making contact with the medical personnel and so forth and giving him some kind of background. Now, this guy, this this uh, this this injured man is about in his 40s, it looks like. He's comatose. He has skin lacerations. Uh, he has suffered a mild stroke, apparently. His uh, back and his legs have shrapnel wounds, uh, scars on them. And uh, he has a scar on his cheek that was uh, sewn up, but obviously not professionally. Uh, when they examine him, he has tattoos on him that were representative of both uh, the U.S. and Britain. Hmm. Now, they were unable to trace the driver. They couldn't find any any call, you know, any anybody that dispatched an ambulance, either, you know, as part of the hospital or private or whatever. And uh, so that was another mystery. Now, the the one thing they, they questioned the nurse, and she said, "Well, what did this guy look like?" And he he uh, he was wearing a she said kind of a blue overcoat with brass buttons. She said he looked more like a coat that somebody would wear uh, on a navy ship than anything else. Now. Boston detectives came in to check him out. This guy's got no ID. They send out his fingerprints to every agency they can think of. Nothing. So they they call him John Doe, even though he's got this uh, this name that he's he's been given. Um, it's, it's called Charles Jameson. Now, <clears throat> uh, he eventually he comes out of his comatose state, but still does not speak for a long time. Uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Mm. Months later, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of the nurses hears him say in a British accent, I simply do not know. So Dr. Oliver Williams takes a special interest in the Jameson case. And uh, as well as a – there were some indications that this guy, from some of the things that he, he started to say, that he was in, in the Navy somehow. Uh, this guy wasn't just a, a medical professional. He was also a nautical scholar. So – he uh, oh by the way the the source of this is Fate magazine March 1997 what? by Ron Edwards fake, and uh, fake magazine. You know, there's, there's nothing better than a, a, a stack of Fate magazines you know to have uh, great sources of information <laughs> but anyway back to the article yeah uh, Williams started questioning Jameson and he would he could get him talking he would pursue a line of questioning and he would keep going until he stopped being responsive so Jameson started recalling events that seemed like they were from the previous century. He talked about William Gladstone, who uh, lived from 1809 to 1898. Uh, Benjamin Disraeli, I believe the name is, uh, 1804 to 1881. And he was talking, this is 45, so he's talking as if they were still alive. He describes several different uh, campaigns of Napoleon Bonaparte, who died in 1821, not as if it was a history lesson, but as, as something that he was familiar with. Hmm. Um, like it just he, happened. Uh, go ahead. 
Like it just happened. He was just uh, talking yes, to this was, guy in the bar. Just, and, just yeah, associated yeah. at the time. How almost like he's go? a time traveler. Yeah. Now, that Waterloo uh, sucked, but you know, the rest of the deal wasn't too bad. Uh, he uh, determined that, uh, that he, he would say things like, uh, we cleared the harbor. Okay, mm. so I mean, there's a lot of lot of nautical references there. Uh, a man named Alton Barker, who was chief of the British Information Service, they call him in, and instead of directly questioning uh, this guy, uh, Symington, he he would start he'd sit down like he was just an old sailor and start spinning yarns to see if he could just trigger his memory. He would show him photographs of that time period that he'd been talking about. Uh, he also showed him some, you know, sleeve markings for various British uniforms that went back 50 years. And he purposely changed some of them so that they were inaccurate. Mm. So at one point, Simington says, how ridiculous can that be? And he, he noticed that there were four different ones that were completely wrong. So his mind was very sharp in some ways. And, you know, this went back quite a few years. Uh, he showed him several pictures of yesteryear and Navy ships and so forth. One... He showed him a, uh, a a picture of the Royal Navy Ammunition Depot, and he, he looks at it, and he says, that's in London. I have been in that building. Trouble is that that building, the picture was taken about 1890. That building was long gone. Yeah. Ch Charles said he was 49. Uh, the, the photo was taken uh, almost half a century before. Uh, he would have, even if he'd been 18 when he enlisted, he would have had to have been about 80. So all, all this stuff wasn't, wasn't making any sense. And then he, he claimed that he uh, was aboard the Bellerophon, the HMS Bellerophon, which was commissioned in 1907. And at sometimes when they were asking him questions, he would act as if he was a prisoner, a prisoner. And he wouldn't, you know, a, a, prisoners do not, do not answer questions specifically. They're very general or very vague. And he would start to do that as if he wasn't aware that World War I was long, over, long gone. Uh, he, uh, he said on the Bellerophon that they, he said, we set a course westward uh, for Jutland. And they asked, well, were you in that battle? And he said, yes. Now, there was a battle on, on the Bellerophon fought in May of 1916 off the coast of Denmark, okay? So none of this is making any sense. Now, they kept over the years, you know, they kept, kept uh, trying to, find information on this guy and they got a hold of the of the somebody got a hold of the manifest for the USS Lejeune and there's a strange notation in the official documents and it says a Charles William Jameson had been picked up at sea time unknown he was assigned to Lejeune's manifest out of Southampton England this is January 1945 arrives in Boston February 1945, and at the bottom, it, it's written, Charles William Jameson, July 17th, 19, 1895, Boston, Massachusetts, Catholic, four years in a prisoner, German prisoner of war camp in Belgium. The manifest looks all proper and it's typed and so forth, except for the stuff about Jameson. It's all handwritten. Now, one of the tattoos that Jameson had were worn by those that served on the Cuddy Sark. Ooh, wow. Cuddy Sark was a three-masted clipper uh, designed for speed. Uh, they confirmed the existence of the, the ship, but it, had, uh, it was launched in 1869 out of Scotland. 
it was uh, active during there was a trade uh, between English and Chinese, uh, and uh, I guess it was uh, in commission till uh, uh, you know active maybe until almost the 1920s. But in 1922, it becomes a training ship. So they did some. They were and again. They're they're doing research, and unfortunately, they didn't have Google back in those days. So it took a, a long time to find out anything. But they got a hold of a log of a German submarine, the crew of the U-24. In the records, they spotted a three-masted clipper ship on the morning of July 10th, 1941. Hmm. It was the Cuddy Sark. Uh, And according to this uh, this log, it was torpedoed. And the sole survivor's name was Charles William Jameson, who was in fact transferred to a, a a German prisoner of war camp in Belgium. Okay, it's going to get stranger. Now, uh, this was a record of a uh, William Jameson aboard a sailing ship that had not been at sea for more than 20 years. <laughs> so how could the Cuddy Sark have been torpedoed by a German yeah. U-boat in the North Sea when it's supposed to be spo- – she, she, she is supposed to have spent the entire war docked in England. Hmm. Now, uh, at one point, uh, he uh, he wrote the, the, the word – uh, Heinmona, H-I-N-E-M-O-N-A. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it turns out that's a cargo ship that carried nitrates from Chile to British ports. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he says, I was aboard that ship, and we were sunk by a German submarine. So he's got the wrong ship, and the Cuddy Sark doesn't make any sense because it wasn't supposed to be active. Hmm. But the, the, the this Heinmona survived World War II, so it wasn't, apparently wasn't damaged or tor- torpedoed. Mm-hmm. So, big mystery. What what's what's going on what here? Uh, Charles Jameson. He died January nineteenth, nineteen seventy-five. He you know didn't uh, over a period of time. They only got so much information out of him, mm-hmm. and apparently he couldn't remember uh, most of what had happened. Uh, about a hundred people attended the funeral service <clears throat> at the Siemens Bethel in Bedford in New Bedford. Okay, and. Had an honor guard. Uh, you know, was was a, a really nice event. A uh, Everett Allen, <clears throat> the assistant editor of the New Bedford Standard Times, gave the eulogy. Yes. And here's just a couple of things he said. Uh, one man who was alone, uh, and alone in a most unusual sense. He did not even have an identity. Uh-huh. A name is less important than an affirmation of brotherhood. This man is welcome here. He is among friends. He is now at home, regardless of where his home may have been. Wow. Well, I got. Th- I just have to ask Cobra two questions. You there, CC? I am. Okay. First of all, is that what they named the Scotch after, Cuddy Sock? And also, it is. question two. I mean, would the, would a German U-boat really torpedo away? It was a three-masted schooner, right? Well, if you remember correctly, the Coast Guard training vessel, the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle was a war reparation for World War One. It came from Germany, mm-hmm. and they still use that today. So that is a military ship. There were uh, ships of sale, and um, most of them did have a, uh, a power source as well, You know, some kind of a drive system for a propeller, okay. uh, ship's propeller in it. So that wasn't uncommon, um, the, and there the were Cuddy, some advantages. The Cuddy Sark, actually, they, they went and encountered that they did try to take off. And get away from the submarine, so they weren't going to have any of that. Mm-hmm. And that's when supposedly they torpedoed a ship that wasn't torpedoed, whatever wow. that means. Man, that's crazy. 
It's almost like we have almost a time travel story, but right. it, it's it's almost like this guy was exposed to uh, an early version of MK Ultra or something like that, yeah. because okay. this poor guy's memories are just all all scattered. And then why? You know, you, there's so many questions. Why did they drop <clears throat> this this poor guy it, off it would, in that time injuries. period? Right. It would be interesting today yeah. uh, with today's capabilities because there'd be some things you could do. Obviously, they didn't do like a dental examination on him because you could tell right by his dental work if he was a time traveler. I mean, if he was really from that period. You would see things that would only be from that period of, of time. You know, x-rays to his body uh, to see if he had, you know, the typical body frame of someone of that period. You know, so you don't have any of that kind of forensic data. You don't have that kind of collection. Right. Uh, right. none of the DNA to go with it, none of the stuff to go forward with it, because that would be very interesting. And today, that's kind of standard how they do things, you know, uh, with it. Right. Um, but the part that you mentioned there at the end there, um, Switch, about him being programmed or part of something like a MK Ultra type uh, um, project yep. is, very, uh, is very telling to me. Wow, something we we don't expect in that time period. But you know, I I personally I I we know, made the atom you, we made the atom bomb in this time period, so right, okay. I, we were capable of doing some stuff. And they yes. made the radio, you know, thirty years before that. So wow, okay, sounds like switch. You fall off your chair there. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm, okay. I'm back. I'm back on. I'm good. Okay. I, I'm I guess he was some. he's doing some in depth Cuddy Sark investigation. Okay. All right, uh, this yes. one in, in the glass. He was probably. pouring a Cuddy Sark. So listen. So well, let's get back to question one. Is I mean, what's Cuddy Sark? Just the name of a three masted schooner, like a series of three masted schooners, or was there one Cuddy Sark? I, I got the was... impression there was one Cuddy Sark. Yeah, I really? did too. And that's yeah. what they named the booze after this mysterious ship. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Wow. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense in some kind of screwy way. Jameson sounds familiar too. Yeah. No. Really. Sure. Does. Well, Jameson is the family that makes the this Catholic family makes the Scotch and Ireland. Oh well. Come on. Oh, excuse please. me. Whiskey. Yeah. It's been a myth wow. floated by the whiskey companies, obviously. Uh, so why don't we do this? Well, as, thank you, Switch. I feel like we should give Switch a yeah, round good. of applause. That was kind of, kind of a freaky story. It was, it was a great article by this guy. Yeah. Very uh, moving. Okay. Yeah, I love those kinds of stories. Um, and there's thousands of them out there, you know. I guess it's mm. our job to bring every single one of them to yeah. you. Now, some people would say, well, that's Thank BS, you so but. Well, you know. He had too many identifying yeah. uh, visuals. Markers. Yeah. yeah. Really, yep. But, you know, it's in, in just like the 30 seconds we have left, it seems like there were lots of cases around the world in the 50s of people who would just like kind of show up. You know, there's a case of some guy, I think it was late 50s or early 60s, he just showed up like at Japan International Airport and he had like a passport that said he was from this country and it was a different country and he knew things but he didn't know something, you know. I don't know, you know, who knows? It's a big world out there. So I'll tell you what, why don't we take a commercial break now? And uh, thank you, Switch, again for that report. And um, we'll be right back after this. So you're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. The very famous Juan Wine is here. You bet. The switcheroonie is here, and also Coco. There he is, falling off his chair again, and also Coco is joining Still us on the wing. from a secret Still location. I did put my seatbelt on. Yeah. I'm ready for the bumpy ride. Wow, okay, Coco, <laughs> always be prepared. Uh, so uh, let's take a commercial break now, and you're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We will be right back 
after this. Hey, Juan Juan, did you go to the beach a lot as a kid? Yes, Mac, I sure did. I have a feeling like as a youth, you were like the 90-pound weakling and that the bullets used to kick sand in your face. As a matter of fact, they did. I mean, I tried to pump iron back then, but I'd get pooped pretty quickly. Oh my God, look at you two girly men. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what are you doing here? I'm here to make sure you read the ad copy for this fabulous new workout product called SEX that I can't endorse, but I'm sure works wonderfully. Hey Arnold, what was that thing with you and the maid? Ugh, just do the ad. Yeah man, nail the maid, that's a little frenzy. That's it, I'm going to turn you into two Vienna pretzels. Cobra, Cobra save us! us. I'd be glad to, gentlemen. What the boys are trying to say is, this is a new energy drink that can give you the extra endurance you need to get through your daily workout. Yeah. It's called SEX, for Strength Energy Accelerator. It comes easy to use. Just mix a scoop with water and drink 30 minutes before you start your workout, and you find you can last longer and feel all around better after finishing your regime. Yeah. The mix comes in many different flavors. Of course, my favorite is passion fruit. Me too. And it contains all the essentials you need to get over the top, whether you're trying to add muscle and bulk or just maintain your current physique. You could look like me. That's SCX, workout dietary supplement available only through Cadillo USA. Visit CadilloUSA.com for more details. That's C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O-USA.com and get some sex today. Hey, what's going on in here? Pistol, Pistol Pete. Pete, what are you doing here? I told you guys, no partying in the studio. What are all these dumbbells doing here? Hey, just because you own this place doesn't mean you can call me a dumbbell. Oh, yeah? Kick his ass, Pete. Come on, I'm right here. SEX workout powder. Available only through CadilloUSA.com. Read instructions carefully before using Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Track Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. I hear someone taking pictures. That's a bad sign. This is uh, Mac Maloney. <laughs> okay. And uh, wow, the party's already started. In the studio with us tonight, girls, is the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. Uh, also, Good show tonight so far. Yeah, so far. But the night is young, as is it. And we haven't been arrested yet, there so it's go. all good. All right, so right. It is pointing in a positive direction. Uh, also, uh, Commander Cobra is with us, calling in from a secret location. Good evening, gentlemen, and that lady laugh. Okay, all right, glassing up the joint. Also, uh, Switchblade Steve Ward from the Bowl of Legs there, Battle Creek, Michigan, joining us. Great to be here. Okay, he had the um, astronaut's breakfast today, steak and eggs. This is interesting. I don't think I've ever had one, but... I've had that, but I didn't realize it was an all-protein thing. Yeah, it's an all-protein oh. thing. Yeah. So anyway, this hmm. is the uh, time of... Um, you know, that everyone is craving our most famous segment, 10 Questions for Juan Juan. Everybody loves it. I don't know why, but everybody loves it. And uh, joining us to read the 10 questions is everyone's favorite barmaid. What can I say? Megan Reagan. Megan. Megan. Yeah. Yay. Hello, everybody. We love it. Me Megan does it the best. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Megan. Did I say something wrong? I don't know. We'll check later. How are things down at the Stavagelli? Stavagelli is our favorite restaurant in Newport and Water Street. The summer's coming. Just go to any tourist map. You'll find Newport That's going right. to the Stavagelli. Great seafood, great service, great people, great drinks. Is this a plug? Great bartender. Great everything. Great bartender. Right. How's things great down vibe. there? Great vibe. Yes. 
How's things down there tonight? It's actually man? really busy right now. The bar is nice. packed. Yeah, okay. Because the Bruins are playing Bruins are tonight. I kind of I kind of got kicked out of my seat. Oh no. Okay. How dare they? <laughs> send someone down there to fix that. Okay, so why don't we do this? Why don't we start with the 10 questions? Okay, 10 questions for one one. Some of these actually were written into us, but, you know, let's see what happens. Okay, Meg Reagan, famous uh, bartender from the Starving Galley, reading the questions, please. Question number 10. Have you ever put on someone else's pants by mistake? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Think about it for a second. Have you ever, like in the dark, in the haste, put on someone else's pants by mistake? Uh, no, but I put my pants on backwards by mistake. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, going, where the hell's the fly? Is that <laughs> uh, not that big of a surprise. <laughs> but, uh, question number nine, please, Megan. Is it true that you once tried to invent a Viagra martini? Yes. <laughs> you told me about this. Yeah. Did it work? Not yet. It, <laughs> <laughs> still There's a waiting yeah. period. Yeah. Still waiting, yeah. Okay. Next question. Yeah, the whole four hours, four weeks, four yeah. days thing. Yeah. Got it. Okay. You haven't been visiting like any emergency months. rooms. <laughs> they, no, right? yeah. Okay. Please, next question. Megan Reagan, please. We know you have two lovely daughters. If you had a son, would you have named him Juan 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 Juan? Would you have named him Juan 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 Juan? I would have named him Jesus. Jesus. I love that name. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, next question, please. Megan Reagan. You and Max frequently meet in local bars during the week to discuss the show. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much actual work is done at these meetings? <laughs> About uh, 2% less than, yeah, is discussing the show. Yeah, I would say minus zero. If that's <laughs> But anyway, um, next question. So we're having a good time. Yeah, right. It's good for the local economy. Too, there you go. Right. Well, There's what, kids going to college because of these two. We're trying to do our part. Exactly. <laughs> big, big tips to the girls. Okay. All right. Um, don't give Ryan uh, trade secrets here. One. I know. Uh, next question, please, uh, <laughs> Megan Reagan. If a Chinese spy offered to buy you a drink and some chicken wings in exchange for everything you know about U.S. Navy submarines, how would you respond? Oh, man. Um, I, I would like to say I'd, I'd be a blabbering idiot, but that's not true. I would be totally uh, squared away and uh, All right. not... Offering any kind of information whatsoever. Well, we know that's not except, reality based. Except my uh, Newport, Rhode Island career. Very inside. Next uh, question, please, uh, Megan. When's the last time? Ooh, when's the last time you were kissed by a bartender? <laughs> ooh, um, hmm. I do remember it. I think that's uh, about a month ago. Notice they discussed really? by male yeah. or female, so that you're really covered both directions. <laughs> well, what's what do you it? call a female bartender? It's a bartender, right? So, okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Five months ago. Okay. All right. That's all you remembered about it. Have it. Well, what else do you want me to to recount? Okay. All right. To recount the exact. Uh, unforgettable. The smoochiness. Yeah. Amount of uh, contact. Okay. I better go on to the next question. All right. Okay. Have you ever buried a bone? <laughs> is that slang? Well, is that street slang for something? Have you? Bury the bone. Right now the internet is lighting up wow. on the Urban Dictionary online. Uh, Sounds like an Eminem song. Next question, please. Megan Rank from the Stabagout. Oh, my God. <laughs> True or false? 
there's a place in the universe called the Showerhead Galaxy. Oh, wow. Yeah, there is. Didn't we see that through the telescope too, last Tuesday? Anyway, wow. I never okay. heard of it. This is really going on. Are you asking me, is there or setting it up? Believe me, there is. Uh, next question, please. I think. If we obtained video of you being abducted and probed by aliens, would you be upset if Mac added romantic music to it? (laughs) So long as it was a nice romantic probing. Yeah, okay, all right. A little Barry White music. He's into tasteful. You know, know, as long as it's tasteful. Okay, that's right. You know, (laughs) alien probing of the third kind or something, you know? All right, well, probably gone that far, but that's okay. Megan, are we at the last question yet? Yes, we are. All right, last question. Here we go. Okay. We seem to ask this a lot, but you recently went out drinking with Mac's wife. How many things did you have to apologize for the next day? (laughs) How long was that email? It was a few paragraphs, but okay. I, I apologized my butt off. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. All right. But then I was given complete, uh, uh, I was given Ab- a penance. Absolution? Was, you know, yeah. Is, is yeah. it we, difficult to apologize to our fathers father after, after an alien memories. probing yeah, that's been done to romantic music? One only can wonder. <laughs> you know, this episode, I really need to redo my meds right after this <laughs> episode. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Send me some, please. So, wow, there you go. Um, Ten questions for Juan Juan. I think we should all And get Doreen it. herself told me absolutely nothing. Oh, really? Yeah? yeah. Okay. Well, maybe she's just Not trying to be nice, right? I don't want to give... <laughs> yeah, did she tell you through a lawyer? That's <laughs> <laughs> did that come from the legal counsel? <laughs> thank you, you Megan, Megan, for that deep probing. Once again, thank you, Megan. Wonderful. Okay. Person. Oh, oh, I had fun. A, a person on her way up, and she took a, a, a time out of her busy schedule to be with us tonight. That's so good. we should... Oh, thank you so denying, much. Denying family ties to be here with us tonight. Right, yeah. Okay. All the way from New York City. Wow, man, that's a long way. Well, thank you, and uh, <laughs> thank you to your uh, visitor, and we'll talk to you very soon, okay? Thank you. Okay. Have a good night. Okay, thanks, Megan Reagan from the Stab and Galley Restaurant in New Report. Why we take a commercial break now, mm-hmm. and we'll be right back after this. You'll listen to Mac Maloney's Milk Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Should we have it do one more, one more time in the Marilyn Monroe yeah, voice? Yeah. That we hear? Okay. All right. <laughs> Megan Reagan promo number two. Hi, I am Megan Reagan, the gang's favorite bartender. There we go. That sounded good. And you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. Oof. And now here's Mac and Juan Juan. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) And Mac's headphones just fell off. My headphones literally just (laughs) fell off. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> Where are you now? I have no idea. <laughs> hey, welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mule Track Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. In the studio with us tonight, the very famous Amanda Cobra's here. Good evening. Sitting in 1-1 seat. Well, has... Actually, it's not one one seat because I don't want one one to be upset that I would sit in a seat. I brought a different seat into the command. It is a different tonight. seat. I said to you that yeah. there are better chairs here, and you uh, kind of I, declined. I declined because I didn't want to have the whole thing kick up with uh, the guapo. Well, the beautiful one. Suddenly, he wants us to go with the beautiful one. So, listen, we got a letter over the. Uh, it's the elephant in the room. Yes, and I can't bring this. I can't find the letter. So I think the NSA got it or something. But I mean, it was. Basically, what it said was, and it came from a Juan Juan source, which was actually kind of unusual, too. Right. You know, he's a, a source to Juan Juan that wrote, um, Juan Juan had asked this person to uh, read mm-hmm. the uh, to review the show, re- you know, listen to the show and give him a kind of a take. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's work from the bottom up. Uh, she <laughs> uh, really enjoyed uh, Juan Juan, thought Juan Juan had uh, great grasp of the material, yeah. very natural at it. Uh, we had warmth, empathy. We had it was in depth and finely dressed. And finely dressed, right. but she couldn't actually see that. She was basing that on what she saw when one one had contact. Okay, because right. it's radio. We can't okay. see how we. But are. Uh, knowing him, he delivered the uh, shows personally. That's yes. I th- I think that that's probably okay. uh, he was probably well dressed. Probably well dressed, and he, he obviously he's a very charming man. I mean, Mrs. Cobra left uh, very impressed and is looking forward to hopefully seeing him and really? his lovely bride uh, this weekend uh, wow. at our get-together out in, in Maine at the compound. Hmm. So uh, then she uh, had, I think, about uh, five words. Uh, I like Cobra 2, or I listen to Cobra right. 2. This is or, the letter, right? Yeah, the letter. So I, I I basically got an honorable mention, but I didn't take any dings. It said I liked Cobra. I liked Cobra. And then, uh, well, let's just say that. So uh, like one one like Cobra. I think it's more than liked on uh, on oh, one Okay, one. yeah. Oh, super liked? Super liked, okay. yeah, super, super liked, liked okay. and liked me, and uh, to uh, even out this uh, amplitude of the wave, uh, held had some uh, choice <laughs> remarks for your. Uh, I wish we had it. Yeah, your showmanship. I'm desperately trying to find it, but uh, in short, she thought that some of your humor uh, was uh, yeah, amateurish or uh, male, masculine dominated. And How uh, dare she? and didn't uh, you know that you maybe were some such subjective towards women? I think <laughs> no, uh, no, no, whoa, 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 <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Donald Trump, okay? I don't, I, that is not what it's about, all right? What it's about is just the humor and to educate. So, anyway, and then she wrapped it up by saying, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to listen to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and tell him to go F himself. I think it was how she signed it. Sincerely, you know. An upset fan. So anyway, so it's been on my mind all night. I'm thinking, well, how many times are you going to do the snare drum? How many times are you going to, you know? Mac, don't change a thing for me, man. Okay, all right. Glad to hear that. Glad I have your support. Thanks very much. Switchblade, do you want to weigh into this? I'm sorry. Do you want to, now that you had to air this laundry? Get an honorable mention or or nothing at all? Nothing good, bad? Nope. Neutral? No, we didn't. She didn't go past the uh, the hosting right. uh, of it. Uh, uh, the guests were not uh, brought up. The big three. Yeah, I don't. Know, I, I, I don't even know if the big threes. Are. I just you know the standard bearers, the ones that took the uh, took the uh, examination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm sorry you had to hear that switch, but that's what was been on my mind, and that's been I don't know, just on my mind yeah, during the radio show. 
So we get a complaint letter, and you get a, you know, there is one thing. I can't remember another complaint letter. I mean, the, any letters we get is usually, usually positive. Are there suggestions? There was one that was, that you forwarded me, because, and you're all, you're pretty self-effacing. You always tend to always throw out the good stuff that people say about the rest of us, and whatever is kind of a shot at you, you throw out for us to, to look at. Someone said something okay. about the way your voice sounded and you had boogers in your nose or something. <laughs> oh, remember that? You remember that one? Uh, no, I think you're dreaming that. No, no, that no. Was there, there was something on that that scale of that. And you said, yeah, well, at least we got someone, you know, participating. And like I said, the vast majority is if people take time to write, it's sort of like me. If you got something good to say, I'll, I'll write it. If it's <laughs> if it's something I, I'm not going to listen anymore because we don't force anybody to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think they were suggesting that I was... You know, snorting something on the air. That's what the whole booger thing was about. That's how I took it. Well, okay. I mean, didn't er, they er, say, didn't er, it say Bolivian boogers? I didn't catch yeah, that at all. Know, now, okay, now another right, email right, search okay. that uh, has I to go. I might be misremembering that too. Who knows? You know? So, anyway, Switch, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> Good. I can't wait for the follow up uh, emails about the booger comments. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, you never know who's listening and so. Listen, well, uh, right now, all we have to worry about is killer clowns. Okay. Yeah. And we've already talked about. Clown drones, that's come up already this evening. Uh, it's now a worldwide uh, apocalypse of clowns. England, Germany, the Benelux, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia has joined uh, in on this clowns. Um, clown situation. Clowns. This is what we get in 2016. Clowns. It's supposed to be the Jetsons, and we're getting, like, clowns. But I saw today that, that how about this, and, and it's, it morphs into another outrageous thing. Two people in Nebraska, a mother and a father, were arrested for leaving their infant at home while they went out dressed as clowns and terrorized people. Okay. Okay. Now, now you know, it, it, I'm starting to think that one of those seals in the book of Revelations, <laughs> when the angel breaks it, is clowns just, just are let loose. Them. Okay? <laughs> That's what I think is happening here. Oh, man, I, don't, I don't mean to go all, you know... <laughs> religious on everybody again but who else no. would but except the one that's called cobra i'm just passing out an apple okay i'm passing out an apple from the tree of knowledge i think this is the connection you know and, and were they supposed to be clowns we're in the bible this is in the clowns but wow i mean clowns it's just strange and and these you know these people up in nebraska and who knows what they were doing they probably had a couple you know coca-colas themselves and they were uh they said, "Okay, so we get we got to go out and get the clown uniform, the costumes. Okay, we have to make each other up, and, and you make that checklist, but you forget to get yeah. babysitter on that checklist on the four month year old kid. Yeah, babysitter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, babysitter. Right? Babysitter. Whatever. Does that get on the checklist? Oh, no, it's probably like what baby? I know people <laughs> that have been arrested for making meth. They got a babysitter for their kids. They get okay, yeah, they yeah. got a babysitter. You do. You have to. You have to get on a checklist. You're absolutely right. And so they. So and then they go on the side of a. You know." let's say a popular highway in Nebraska, or there is such a thing, and they're, you know, waving to the cars, and the cars are swerving, and all this stuff. So, the- And you have to think right now, law enforcement, they're at the tipping point with all the other crap that's going on, okay? All the fun that's going on. You got a 602. You're kidding me. A 602 on Highway 89. Right. Are you kidding? There's two of them. Looks like a male clown and a female clown. Oh, yeah. He's... He or she is, yeah. He or she is rolling up yeah. in a good mood for this one. <laughs> yeah, the mind of a cop. Yeah, I'll, I, I, with you, hundred percent. How do you get the big feet into the back of the car? I mean, what's? Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a multitude yeah. of sins here. He'd come out and he'd go, you know what? I've had it with the clowns, man. I had it with the clowns. A clown right. beatdown. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Take the big shoe and boom, boom, boom. There you go. Nice. 
Steve, we, you got to get your hand back on the controls here yeah, and, okay. and bring us Steer back to you. Steer the ship, please. Steer the ship. So, Steve, what are you? Uh, you're going to talk about the, the uh, big black triangles tonight, right? Well, yes, at least uh, some of them. Okay. Now we're going going back to August 21st, 2004. It's a. Uh, it's uh, we're about 20, 30 miles south of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful, clear summer night. Uh, a lot of people are getting out of an Ozzy Osbourne concert, so yeah. there's hundreds of people out. No, there's a legitimate set of witnesses Dude, for say. Triangle Aircraft. <laughs> this is exactly them. where Straight I'm going for it, right here. <laughs> yes, uh, nobody's been abusing. Was there any songs about <laughs> bats at this Ozzy Osbourne concert that would have influenced them in any way to what yeah. they were going to see? And you, you know, somewhere in the chain of command in the bureaucracy, you know. Someone had to fly it over the Osborne because right, exactly. <laughs> this is we got perfect <laughs> you know, cover. Yeah, you know we got thirty. You could have landed that baby witnesses. in the parking lot. That 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 at an Ozzy Osbourne concert. Jeez, when do you get thirty thousand witnesses? You know, when they just happen to be at an Ozzy concert. Wow. Fortunately, hundreds of the witnesses are you know everyday ordinary people just out there in their backyards and uh, hmm. and haven't experienced the uh, Osborne. Uh, Experience. Uh, experience. Right. Say, we'll call it what it is. It's a phenomenon. Go ahead, please. Call it what? No, I was going to say, call it what it is, a phenomena. The Osborne oh, okay. phenomenon. Yeah. Okay. Go on, please. Now, overhead, they look up, and they see three lights, three reddish-orange lights uh, in formation passing slowly overhead. Uh, it's, it doesn't look like any conventional aircraft. It doesn't make any noise. Uh, the... Lights are spaced like a triangle, and it's going from uh, west to east across the night sky. Mm. Uh, the lights were brighter than stars. Uh, this certainly wasn't, you know, afterwards you get the, uh, oh, it was flares. Uh, somebody, uh, mm-hmm. you know, set up balloons and flares. It was nothing nothing like that. Mm-hmm. These, these uh, uh, lights were perfectly spaced. Uh, they... Uh, um, they uh, went over several different suburbs. Uh, it was Tindley Park was the the place where it was first spotted. Mm-hmm. And all, all these people are outside. They they saw a patrol car come by. They stopped him, and he said he couldn't stop to talk because the switchboard has lit up, the 911 switchboard with all kinds thing? of people calling in yeah. about these strange craft moving overhead or, well, or whatever. I mean, you can't they can't see any detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's blocking out stars behind it. Hmm. And, you know... Now that's is, the key. Uh, that that is a key statement that I have been using because we know my fascination with the triangle uh, yes. aircraft. Yes, this is now becoming the blocking out of stars for people to get that tells me a lot. Uh, tells me how close the aircraft must be over the surface, so that adds a lot of uh, mm-hmm. importance to this silent business. Right, uh, yeah. Gives you an ability to see the size. It also tells you that you. You're not going to have a lot of other phenomenon because there's not clouds. So the aircraft is flying uh, on a clear night. So you're going to have a good chance of seeing it. And how fast was it going? Uh, it's impossible to tell because uh, now later on, now this is actually featured on an episode of UFO, UFO Hunters. You guys remember okay. that? Okay. Oh, my, show uh, with... my, uh, my uh, godfather there, uh, Mr. Byrne. Good, yeah, well, he. Uh, That's why I that was. You know, I didn't watch that many shows when it was originally on, but uh-huh. man, I really miss it now that it's gone. Yeah, Bill Byrne. And, and uh, they did a really. Uh, uh, their their first episode of the second season covered this, hmm. and uh, they there was a, a gentleman, uh, the local MUFON guy from uh, Illinois, Sam uh, Moranto. 
Mm-hmm. He interviewed about about a hundred witnesses, over a hundred witnesses. He got a hold of twenty five different uh, videotapes of people uh, of taping this from different angles, wow. different suburbs. Wow! And so, yeah, that's really amazing. So they were able uh, to take that, and I guess there was there's also at one point they could see. Oh, by the way, later, a small red light like a star mm-hmm. followed exactly the same trajectory that it went through <laughs> this last deciding of this triangle or whatever it was right. was about 30 minutes so so in and i was going to say how long was it in view but how how far had it moved in that 30 minutes did it go was it floating or was it streaking across you know the sky? Flo- definitely floating and, okay. and one of the comments on when you listen to the episode and hear the comments uh they talk about uh how slow it's going mm-hmm. you know even even slower than normally when you see a helicopter go overhead. Right. It's moving even faster than that. And, of course, if it's a helicopter, you're gonna, there's no way you're not going to hear the noise. Right. Let me just throw a, a question to Cobra, okay? Right. I've heard of these things are actually blimps. Right. Well, they're a combination, like a hybrid aircraft. They're a combination of rigid structure like the dirigible. Mm-hmm. And there was an aircraft that was rumored. Sweetman uh, put this out, mm-hmm. came up on, in fact, this came up on Sunday Night Show. Famous military writer. Famous military writer. writer. And he talked about a persistent uh, reconnaissance aircraft that could, with very little energy, spend a lot of time very quietly, very silently over there. So there was a combination of mm-hmm. both uh, thrusting and augmentation of moving it, as well as using some kind of a, basically, quotes, balloon Mm-hmm. Uh, blimp type sourcing right. in there. Um, the thing that's changed since a lot of these early reports of the silent, large, massive aircraft moving is that some of these now will go to great high speed and depart the area. So mm-hmm. they they cruise around and and move, which is what's leveled out to my theory that we're talking about possibly two aircraft in addition to the B two that have this triangle shape. Mm-hmm. One is a conventionally powered aircraft that replaced the SR-71 in its means to uh, do uh, certain kinds of reconnaissance and uh, strike uh, ISR type work uh, Mm -hmm. in in Intel surveillance and reconnaissance work so that other aircraft can come in and they know where the targets are. Right. And then I believe what is now coming out is the uh, something with a a new power source, most likely a nuke type system. This Mm -hmm. is what has been theorized is what allows it to have this incredible power near silent produce the kind of power that's necessary for it to be able to hover and then blitz out at high speed. So like a, uh, a miniature nuclear reactor right. or something, yeah. right? And that's not, you know, that's not like completely groundbreaking. Yeah, right. We have had this, uh, you know, this nuke aircraft kind of thing in the background. They just tested. didn't want them flying around. They just didn't want them flying around. <laughs> Literally, that's how a lot to do with it. Right. In case they crash. So anyway, so um, what, what year was this again, Switch? Uh, this was uh, 2004, okay, all right. and so, the, the episode where they analyzed the material was uh, about four years later. Okay, so that was, um, how many years ago was that? Approximately eight for the okay. episode, uh, approximately uh, 12 to the event. Okay, all right. What, what, well, I got two questions. Number one, what took its place? Because you know in 12 years something else is out there. Well, what... I don't know if anything has taken its place, but much like what we talked about earlier this evening with the A-12 and the SR-71, there were certain advances that were made. Um, there used to be devices that would fly on the back of the uh, SR-71. They were uh, um, hyper-speed uh, 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 
literally they were drones, not in the sense that we talk about them today, mm -hmm. that would launch off the back of it so that they would be a decoy. So other aircraft would chase that and they would put uh, oh, wow, yeah. and, and make it. And then the SR-71 could make its turn, go do its mission and come back in. And this thing was unmanned, the thing that yeah, was, was unmanned. the drone. And, yeah. And, and, and it, it, and it needed the speed of the SR-71 so that it could use the type of propulsion system that it didn't actually have a turbine in it. It just mm -hmm. used the ramjet principle to right. get enough air going through it, and then you just basically throw your fuel, ignite it, and it's now a, uh, it propels itself off. Um, I don't know how successful that system was, but that was part of the, the program to, mm -hmm. uh, to have that. So I think you're dealing with a potential family of aircraft, much like the B-2 is going to have now the— uh, the new aircraft that Northrop is B twenty one. Yeah, they. they um, we talked about how it got its name, and it, it wasn't an original name, the Raider, uh, that's going to mm -hmm. come out. So, the uh, to me, I, I don't think it's it's been replaced. I think it's a constant refinement, and mm -hmm. I think it's in a family of aircraft and a family of capabilities. I question too, real quick. Why then would it have its lights on? Is there a military base out near there? Switch. There are a couple of uh, what they call them MOAs. Uh, military operations areas. Right, okay. that's yep. a large and then, uh, geographical block of air. And Bill Burns contacted, the, there was a Scott Air Force Base okay. because they wanted to find out if they had any kind of, you know, buddy that would speak on this. And they, they said, well, you know, we get this this turnover and there's nobody that can yeah. really speak to what happened on that date in August. Yeah, the, the very long uh, answer, which could have been summed up, no, no we're not going right. to speak <laughs> about this. <laughs> and why did you call but, and go away, bump? I don't What's that? And I was going to say, and, and they'd, they're so used to giving out that, you know, no, right? right. Don't dare call us again. But, you know, you're um, Blue Book. No, no thanks. They, they, um, the way Project Blue Book worked, I just was reading about it the other day, was they got thousands. Of, you remember Project Blue Book right. from 52 to 67, the Air Force's investigated arm, and they got thousands of letters. I thought they got, I don't know, a couple thousand a year or something like that. Thousands. Right. And they're still, I, I, I'll postulate. Switch, I need you to roll in, give me the thumbs up or thumbs down on this. I believe that the reason there isn't any kind of a blue book going on now is that we are data mining. We're doing all that with this crowdsourcing with the computers because now if it shows up on Facebook, if it's going into uh, chat rooms, if it's going into blogs, if people are writing comments on blogs, mm -hmm. I believe that's what's being screened. Much like I do when we fly one of our exercises and I'll check the sites to see maybe if we triggered something, if we showed ourselves up to answer your light question. Um, if it's going to be operating near a spot, it's going to have to put lights on unless mm -hmm. it's going to be on a, some clandestine range where, you know, the airspace is clear. Right. And normally when you do that, you have somebody else that's out flying, that's looking to keep the airspace clear. Like if you make a low level round or something like that, and you're not going to put the lights. Right. Okay. But I've had the, uh, the, uh, the theory put out that some of these lights, the glow that people report is actually part of the propulsion system. Oh, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, exhaust or that's the heated up air that is being, um, you know, basically, uh, spewed. Well, that, or it could be, you could... A lot of people have a bad idea, but they think the nuke is throwing some kind. No, nuke generation tends to be very efficient when right. you have it spin turbines up. Right. If you get the spin to go at a very high speed and you're not depleting your fuel source, now you're able to do things like you can add or subtract 
the density of the air to get it to do what mm-hmm. you want it to do. That's what's going to cause friction that will show up as heat or maybe have a glow. Right, right. Yeah. Not not radioactivity coming out because that wouldn't work very well. All the nuclear do is that they heat up the boil the water to make the steam to spin right. the turbines. That's just right. just a cheap way of spinning turbines instead right. of oil or gas or something like that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a commercial break now and switch. Can you stay with us? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, hang in there, and uh, we'll take an ad now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exiles show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We're right there. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft, or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have tonight for you. And you know what I want to do? I want to buy a lot of stock in Skype because I think it's going somewhere. <laughs> Juan Juan, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Girls, I should pre-warn you. Hello, Mac. Hello, Pre-Juan Juan Juan you. I'm glad you're on the train okay. with us here. There we go. And it is a train. It's not quite on the track the yet. Midnight Express. Uh, also on the phone with us is Switchblade Steve Watt up there in the Bowl of Flakes, Battle Creek, Michigan. How are you doing there, Switchy? I am uh, beyond wonderful, and it is great to be here. Okay. Now, we have a special segment here on the show, and what it is, we've been talking about this for a while, and now we're going to uh, be able to do it. Uh, the top 10 classic paranormal movies there, Juan Juan. Mm. Okay, the ones that really scare the heck mm. out of you. Uh, these are classics. These are Some of them are new. Some of them are old, but we just picked them for the scare factor. Okay? What do you think, Juan? I love his list. Uh, do you? Okay. I do. <laughs> if you buy the bit, you buy the concept, okay? I, I love it. Okay. On the phone Some with Some wacky us, movies, most two, of which I haven't seen. Two special guests, okay? Well, it is radio. <laughs> um, very famous author, Gary Olson, calling us down there from down there in Fredericksburg, Virginia, right? Down there in the south on the on the wrong side of the line, right, Gary? Uh-huh. Civil War country, baby. There oh, you go. Man. Okay. Whose side would you have been on if they refight <laughs> the war? Yo. 
Well, since my uh, grandparents came from, uh, or great-grandparents came from Europe, and they weren't in the country at the time, I guess there would be the War of the Roses. Okay, all right. That's, wow. Yeah, okay. Some people know what that is. Some people don't. Anyway, Gary, you are the author of, what's the name of the book again, please? The 15 Geniuses Behind the Lens, How the Top Film directors shake the movies we see today. Okay, how about and that? And not one of them is Quentin Tarantino. No, we we're not going to. We don't have time for that. Okay, Listen, too bad. Classing up this segment. Okay, hopefully because it needs it. Also <laughs> on the phone with us is someone who can come to our aid, our physical and our spiritual aid. They one one. Yes, the none other than you ready. The very famous nurse Kayla is with us. Hello. Hello. Oh. Okay, you get your spoon. Mm -hmm. You have the spoon with you. Oh yes. Yeah, we get more. We get, <laughs> we get more messages about around your neck. Yes. You have, wear one of those stethoscopes around your neck. Yep. Yep. Okay. Wow. It's a real one. It's not like a. Uh, it's a. It's a real one. Yeah. Okay. It's not a Fisher Price stethoscope. No. Drawing the image in our mind. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what we're gonna do is, uh, Kato, if you could, um, we're gonna turn to your left. Turn to your left and cough, please. Let's see one <laughs> We don't want to edit the show. Um, so, uh, Kayla, you have the top 10 uh, movies. You're going to announce them. We're going to have Gary, and we'll chit uh, talk about them. We'll chit-chat about them. How about that? Mm. You still got, the bit? still got the bit there, yeah. JJ? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, here we go. So, Gary, are you yeah. ready? Yeah, I am so anxious to hear the top 10. And, Steve, <laughs> you are ready, too, correct? I, I am focused. Okay, here we go. All right, uh, please. Nurse Kayla, uh, title, right. title number 10. Top Number 10. 10 is The Blair Witch Project Blair in 1999. Witch. Oh, I saw that. Okay. I and, thought it was stupid. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay, wow. This is <laughs> First movie with their own camera. Okay. Yeah, it was a handheld yeah, camera. I, First I get it. I get it. But. Gary, just tell us, um, you know, what did you think of it? You're the expert. Well, you know, they, uh, it's in some of Virginia. They, uh, they filmed it in a, a small town in Maryland called Beckettsville, yes. Maryland. Yep. And uh, I it, it, it blazed new trails as far as what was called the recovered footage. Mm -hmm. Now there are several movies that are based on uh, things that happened that were videotaped in a camera, and the people who disappeared or died. Okay. And then the videotape was discovered a year or two uh, years later. Right, but none and of these are real. Happened. None of these are real, though, right? No, but okay. the audience was led to believe that it was actually a right. real life, especially the Blair Witch, Witch Project. Mm -hmm. uh, the audience was believed to uh, that it was actually a true story. Right. In fact, Heather Donahue, you know, one of the uh, the actresses, okay, her mother ahead. was getting sympathy cards in wow. the mail oh, really? yeah, okay. during this whole <laughs> premiere thing of the uh, of the project. I got to tell you, man, that's a PR group uh, really running their pay. I mean, it worked. Yeah, and it worked. So the strange thing is, and people who, who might not know this, they might have uh, forgotten about it, basically what happens is it's supposed to be they have found a camera, and in the, in the footage of the camera, it shows these kids who are out camping. They're talking about a local witch, and the witch comes in and kills them all mm -hmm. and finally kills the last person holding the camera. Is that it there, Gio? You got it in a nutshell. Okay. All right. It was very popular at the time. In fact, Time Magazine and Newsweek had it on its cover the week it came out, and it didn't cost that much money. So whoever made it, man, they, you know, that was like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. And it started this whole kind of a, a way that you – and it's good and it's bad in a way. You know, Now you can make a successful movie, and it doesn't cost you, you know, $52 million, you know. I mean, that probably – if that cost $2 bucks, I'd be – 
I'd be surprised. I bet 50, you it was 50,000. 50, wow. You can't 50, even buy 50, an avid editing suite for that kind of thing. That's money. amazing. You know, I mean, but it, 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 it made a 250 mil. See, it proves it can be done, which is mm. kind of cool in a way, you know, but the problem is, is you get so many imitators that there's just like so many crummy ones out there. But people were getting sick at it, so it must be terrifying in a way. Did you see it, Nurse Kayla? I did. Yeah. What did you think of it? You like icky things, right? Right. Okay. Um, I thought it was good. Yep. Okay. I haven't seen it in a while. And didn't they remake one? They were going to try. It, yeah, they made it number two. The witch comes back, or they go camping again. They go to Japan yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. hey, you know, why not try to go to, uh, you know, second I'll check base. that out. Are they making it, or is it just being talked I think about? they made it and didn't go anywhere. Oh, you know, really? So. Uh, okay. They, they did a, a, a sort of a sort of a reality in quotes reality TV show like that, or, or at least uh, a base. I forget what it was called, but they did the same kind of mm -hmm. thing where every week they had to you know figure out some way to find this camera right. of all these creatures. That, right. Yeah. The 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 one movie I saw that was kind of cool is um, who did that is um, the movie about Cloverfield. Did you see that? Did you see that movie no, there, Wani? No. Did you see that, Steve? Or uh, I, I, I didn't. I saw the uh, Paranormal Activity. It's the okay. only one like that okay. I ever saw, which okay. wasn't too bad. Kayla, did you see the Cloverfield, the one about the big dinosaur? Yeah, Reckon and it never showed it, right? Yeah, it never showed it. Yeah, it showed it no. at the very end, you know, but it, that's what it was. These kids are at a party, and the camera's going the entire time, you know? Mm -hmm. First time you watch it, you say, man, this is terrible. But you watch it the second time, and it, it's kind of cool in a way. You know, you kind of get it, you know? And then you see the monster at the very end, and it's and and it's coming down to get the camera, and that's it, you know. So, kind of cool. That made a lot of money, you know. And people enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Uh, it's film number can nine. I, can I, oh, go ahead. Can please. I tell you two things about this? Yes. So you may mention about how cheap it was and made a lot of money. Yes. It holds the Guinness record for what's called the best box office ratio. Wow. They so one dollar they spent. They made eleven thousand dollars. Yeah, baby. Okay, that's how to do it. Wow. Good yeah. for them. You know, that's good. That's good to you know just to break down that. That's whole, a good metric. But on though. the other hand, yes. Yeah, but on the other hand, it was lousy uh, deer hunting up in that section of Maryland. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. When the film was released, because yes. uh, all these people went up there with the video cameras yep. to look for the uh, Blair Witch. Yes. And the hunters couldn't shoot because all these people wandering around the woods. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure the deers were appreciative, right, of that. Uh, Kayla, Nurse Kayla, please, film number nine. Oh, film number nine is, sorry, The Others in 2001. Oh, The Others. The Others. The Others. The Nicole Kidman. Kidman. One of oh. the scariest movies there is. If you can sit oh, down and watch man. that, baby, you're going to get scared. Gary, what do you uh, think of it? Yeah, awesome movie. Uh, it's like Jacob's Ladder. It's uh, I don't want to tell the ending because mm -hmm. it's got a, uh, a unique twist. Yep. But, Very you unique. know, it's one of these uh, coming back from the dead type thing. It's about ghosts. Uh, yeah, it's about ghosts. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. She was uh, right. At, this happened uh, right after World War II. Yep. She goes on one of those Channel Islands, Jersey Islands, yep. with her of two England. kids. Yep. And she's waiting for her husband to return back from the battlefield. Right. And the two kids, uh, they have this strange disease, which they can't get any sunlight. Okay. So they draw all the curtains and everything, and they're, they're waiting, waiting. And they and then Nicole says, okay, I can't handle these kids myself. i got to invite three people over yes. to take care of the house and the kids. Yes, yes. And that's when things started going really haywire. Right, right. Yeah, and we can't do the spoiler alert because, you know, we don't want to give away the ending. But it's um, it's a really, really well-done very well scary done. movie and and when the um when it hits you if you haven't seen it when you hit what's go really going on it really does 
you say, wow, that is cool, and cool in a scary way, you know? And she's good in it. She's not good in she's everything got, she's What's said. her percentage of screen time on that movie? Well, Isn't it like in the, the mid-90s or something? She's, she's, on, she's on the in almost every, all the time. Yeah, she's, which is interesting with the, um, you know, with the ending. So did you see that, Nurse Kayla? Um, I did a long time ago. I can't remember it. Right, though. okay. You're probably like two years old. How about you, there, Steve? <laughs> <No>. She's locking <laughs> yeah, all the doors. And, yeah, it was good. A very effective yep. uh, surprise ending. Yep, yep. yep. And, and like I said, she can prove every once in a while that she's like a real actress, you know, not a celebrity, you know. Right. She was married to that uh, mudget there, Tom Cruise, for a while, which is paranormal in itself. Now she's living large with, uh, what's his face yeah. here? Yeah, he, he's about three inches shorter than she is. But, you know. <laughs> well, Tom was the head of the Lollipop Guild, wasn't he? There you go. Okay, Switchy <laughs> obviously doesn't like Tom Cruise. Uh, please, uh, next uh, film there, please, Nurse oh, Kayla. Can I tell you more, two, more, two more things about sure. this movie? Okay. okay. Uh, Kidman, uh, during rehearsals, she said, I got to get out of this movie. I'm having nightmares just going through rehearsal. Her husband, Tom yep. Cruise at the time, yes. who was one of the producers, said, nah, come on, you got to stay with it. So she did. But this was the last picture that uh, uh, they were like together as a team, oh. producer and actress. Yes. And then they got a divorce right after this. Wow. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. What happened to those kids? This, wow. Um, please, Nurse Kayla, next film title. Number eight is The Omen. The Omen. 1976. Okay. Yes. Now, that's a way, that was a, a while ago, and um, Lee Remick was in it, one of the um, best actresses in Hollywood, also not bad to look at. And it's just a scary movie because if I'm right, it's it's a, it, wasn't it the first movie where the kid is possessed there, Gary? They usually didn't do that. Yeah, 1976, you're yeah. right. That's pretty much uh, the originator uh, devil in, in the kid. Right. There was an unwritten rule, like in Hollywood, that you didn't make kids killers. You didn't make them. You don't. You don't have kids die on screen and that kind of stuff, you know. But it broke the mold, and and that was a scary movie because all of a sudden the kids are the enemy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know? uh, I didn't know there was such a law about that, but well, just unwritten. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen Sinister? No. Have you? Check, yeah. Check that one out. Same thing. Same idea. Yep. Kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kids against the adults. That type of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was that old one, The Bad Seed. Patty McCormick. To, yep, right, right, and it was just you know there was there's there's a unwritten rule in science fiction that robots shouldn't kill people, okay, and that's been around for years. What? And then in 2001, the robot, the computer kills the two guys on the spaceship, you know, so that broke that. It's unwritten, you know, yeah. it's unwritten. So, um, anyway, uh, Nurse Kayla. I remember uh, Children of the Dam. Remember that one? That they was had, also they had scary. not only one kid, they had several. Yep, same idea, yeah. you know, Children of the Corn. Hey, you guys have kids, so you, you happen to know that they can be devils sometimes. Oh, so uh, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them. A little bit of commentary there from the guests. Please, next, uh, <laughs> next movie title there, Nurse Kayla joining us tonight. Number seven, Poltergeist, Poltergeist. 1982. Yeah. Scary movie. <laughs> It's a scary movie, you know. It's not a great movie, but, man, it scares you, right, Gary? Oh, boy. Well, you know, that's a big controversy. Toby uh, Hooper. Yes. Who directed a Texas uh, Chainsaw Massacre. He just passed away, what, last year? Wow. I believe. And there was a lot of controversy whether he directed it or the producer, Steven Spielberg, directed Ooh, it. Ooh, okay. Another, and, uh, another hack. Spielberg was in the middle of making E.T., Yes. But um, he was on the uh, Poltergeist set every day. Mm -hmm. So some some actors said, no, it was uh, Spielberg who was directing it. And others said the Hooper. And it's got that Spielberg uh, yeah, atmospheric yeah. 
you know, suburban uh, type. Very unusual. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say unusual, but it was, uh, you know, it has that Steven Spielberg feel of the family being haunted by some uh, some outside force that took took the uh, little kid away. Well, you know, I have to say it, but it it has that Spielberg uh, advanced film club look to it, if you know what I mean. You know, the college film club, because it always looks, his movies to me. Too much technique. Is too much technique. Thank you, Juan Juan. And and none of it done. I get it. None of it done right. You know what I mean? It's just like throwing technique at at it, all the stuff he learned in school, which is fine. Hey, listen, the guy is like a billionaire. Video cliches and production. A lot of cliches, you know? And and he he puts that stuff in because he believes it's easier for the audience to understand. But I think that's looking down on the audience in a way, you know? Audience can figure stuff out, especially if it's some kind of paranormal movie, okay? And the kid is in, in the TV talking. To the kid, I mean that's that's brilliant in a way because it's so scary, you know. Do you agree there, Switchy? Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the, there were there certain elements of it that were very effective. Others didn't work so well. Right. But uh, you know, the, the first time you see it, 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 everything seems to work all right, right. and you can nitpick afterwards. Man, the TV set part yes. yep. is excellent. Yep, it really is. It's it's little Twilight Zone-ish. I liked it a lot. Okay. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, so uh, please, Nurse Kayla. Well, what does oh, what does Poltergeist mean? It means it's a the it's German a, word for ghost. Mischievous ghost. The noisy, noisy ghost. Right, right. Uh, Nurse Caleb, please. Uh, number six is The Fog, 1980. Okay, The Fog. What are the two good, re- big reasons you like this movie there, Gary? Well, besides uh, John Carpenter, who is one of the uh, originators of Holly, uh, Halloween and uh, other horror movies. Yes. He was married to a very shapely... Actress called Adrian Barber. Oh, really? Who remembers her? Yep. Very okay. shapely. Good actress. Good choice of words there. Good choice of words there, Gary. Words are his business. Mm. Um, you've never seen this, Nurse Kayla, I'm guessing. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it has She's a, looking it up now, though. It has a good right. plot. It, it's, you know, when the fog, you know, they're out on some lake somewhere, isolated and so on. And when this fog comes, nasty things happen, which is, it's really good a, a good idea because, it, you know, it can cover over actually what is going on. And, you know, the fog surrounds people and they start to freak out and then they get chopped up and so on. Um, you know, Gary, there's a... Didn't they remake this movie too? Yes. Yep. Yep. For sure. And, and, and under different names too. I know there's the fog, but there was also the mist, the red mist. Here comes oh, the yeah. mist. The mist goes to Japan. But Gary, it's, it had to be a profitable movie because we know about it and, and he didn't have to pay his wife to star in it, we're assuming, right? So he saved money there. Uh, yeah, that was her uh, debut movie. And uh, the next movie was that she starred in was Escape from New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also kind of a cult movie. Okay. Yeah, this movie also Kurt had uh, Jamie Lee Curtis Ooh. and She's her kind mother, of shapely too. Janet yeah. Lee. Oh, really? Janet Lee, her mother. Wow. The uh, woman who yeah. got stabbed in the uh, shower in uh, Psycho. Right. Okay. Uh, if you want to talk about a good scene, all right, when you look at that famous shower scene in Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, you, as someone put it, you think you're seeing a, a woman stabbed. You never see her being stabbed. No, you that. don't. It's just the knife and the her, music. Music, blood on the awesome. going down the drain. Yeah, that's all. It is it's just quick? It is, right. It's it's brilliant. You fill in the rest. Go ahead. They speak. used Hershey's cocoa, Hershey's because of the black and white because of the consistency. Uh-huh. It looks okay. like blood, but it's good. not not even red. Uh, a good product placement, you know. What the <laughs> heck, right? Uh, next uh, uh, movie title, please. Nurse Kayla joining us tonight. Thank you. Number five, Rosemary's Baby, nineteen sixty-eight. Oh. 
boy. These are the classic <laughs> paranormal horror movies, and this is one of them. Um, go ahead, Gary, please. You're the expert. Oh, it's so weird. Or a Roman Polanski. Remember him? Yep. He, oh, he, yeah. He, okay. uh, the exiled the Hollywood director. Yep. But uh, he uh, envisioned Rosemary as being either a, a buxom like Tuesday Weld okay. or even his wife, Sharon Tate. Yes. But he ended up, uh, the producer said, no, you got to go with Mia Farrell. Yeah. Mia Farrell. She's a hot chicken now. She's on Peyton Play. She's, yep. you know, world-renowned. In fact, on. she's getting... She's married to one of the best singers in, in history, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yep. I got a feeling Frankie's Frank boys was, might uh, Frankie's boys might have got to the director and said, uh, "Was it William Friedkin? <laughs> was it Freak? No, uh, who directed? Oh, Polanski. Do you think that he? Oh, Polanski. Yeah. You think Frankie's boys showed up and said, "Hey, put her in the movie." You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's possible. There's, well, it's, Frank was so upset that he ended up delivering divorce papers in right. the middle of the shoot in on the, the set. He didn't want her in the movie. I'm only kidding, guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he. What was his objection, though? I'm curious. About he that. didn't want her to be portrayed like that in in the movie as, as a, a whack as job. A, as a whack job, yeah, mm. right. Well, and who he, got the horse's head in their bed the next day? Well, you know, yeah, but it was mm. a it was a rocking horse, so that's okay. But there's a there's a scene in that movie where, um, and I know you haven't seen this, Nurse Kayla, have you? No. Oh, you'd, en- you'd enjoy this. It's a- I'm going to have to watch all these now. Yeah, it's a classic movie, but it's it's a really well-done movie, but it's creepy, like almost every minute of it is creepy. And what he does is, not that I'm any big Roman Polanski fan, but he, he, he did this scene where she's sitting on the edge of her bed, okay, and she has just had this, I guess I can say we, she's had this baby, which is, you know, looks like it's going to be the devil. Is that the a good capsule review of it? And... You're looking in her bedroom window. I mean, her, her bedroom door. But he doesn't put the camera all the way over, so you can't see all of her. She's like, mm. she's, she's you know, doubled over like she's throwing up or something. Mm. But you can't yeah. see it. And he said, everyone in the audience all leans to the right as if they could see around the corner, yeah. you know? Right, right. And, and, you know, it's a, it's, it's, that's kind of cool if you can get an audience to react like that. But The, the other thing about the film is it's, it's like everything's normal. It's like this this is evil comes up in in uh, you know it's in what New York City. Yes. Uh, it's everybody's going about their lives, but yet this underlying current of evil is rising right, right, in the yeah. midst of normal normalcy. Right, right. And and to these people that they're kind of innocent bystanders in a way, you know. And and they then they look unlikely. You know where they filmed it there, JJ? Hello, no. JJ. <laughs> no, I'm look. I'm looking, reading about Ira Levin, the screenplay. The uh, Dakota building where John Lennon lived and a lot of oh, other yeah. celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the building itself is creepy. You know, it almost looks institutional in a way, you know, and it's really a good movie, but, you know, be prepared to be scared at that. You know, it's well done. It looks like a building where lobotomies might be so, Yeah, like an institution in a way, yeah. you know. Um, sure. But uh, very well done. Right, Gary? Don't you think that's one of the top kind of, you know, best paranormal movies Hollywood-wise? Yeah, really, really scary. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, who I uh, devoted a chapter in my book, yes. called it his favorite movie of all mm-hmm. time yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I he was alive. That. And the other thing, it's got a real curse about it. One of the actors, William Castle, is convinced that because of this movie, uh, Sharon Tate met her uh, ill fate mm-hmm. uh, during the Charles Manson uh, murders. Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing we should uh, we should explain, that Sharon Tate was the wife of Roman Polanski who directed right. the movie. Right. She was in the house that the Manson Fall was broke in by mistake, as it turns out. They got the wrong house or the wrong people living in the house, and they murdered six or seven people in 1968 or nine. 
just a, a real notorious crime and you know and, and talk about releasing evil onto the world you know all of a sudden you have Charles Manson and people right. and people who are devoted to him and he's you know just a psychotic you know psychotic yep. killer yeah people the consummate cult leader yeah really. squeaky from and the gang yeah just a bunch of nuts you Helter know skelter too much acid as you know yeah. so anyway so uh, next um, film title please no Skylar. number four Four is Interview with a Vampire in 1994. Like that. Okay, this is kind of a controversial pick because um, Brad Pitt is in it, Tom Cruise is in it, and um, you hate both those guys. Well, I I I, <laughs> I don't hate Brad Pitt, and I'll tell you why. As and then I'm going to throw it over to Gary. Okay, the reason I I never really cared much for Brad Pitt, mm. but this guy, the guy Harvey Weinstein, who was you know attacking all the actresses and stuff, and got in trouble. Right, yeah, he got a little bit. Of no one no one stood up to him but Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt went to him because he was going on with Gwyneth Paltrow at the time, and this guy grabbed their ass or something. Mm. And he went, and he put him up against the wall. He says, "You ever do that again, I'll kill you." You know, and and you know, he's, and he would, yeah, and he would. You know, yeah. he's not he's not the best actor in the world, but at least he stood up. You know, he's the only one that did stand up in that whole bunch out there. So, yeah. um, you know, so but anyway, Tom Cruise to me, and that's you know, it's a controversial pick because I think Gary kind of likes his movies. But, you know, we did that story there a couple of weeks ago about he's, he's on uh, the aircraft carrier USS Teddy Roosevelt and, and filming uh, Top Gun 2. And before he landed off the, the, off the coast of San Diego, before he landed, you know, his people said, don't look at Tom. Don't take any pictures of Tom. Don't ask him any questions. Don't talk to him. No autographs and nothing. Up to the point where they said, if you're walking through the corridor and Tom's coming the other way, don't brush shoulders with him. And people have told us who have been on Navy ships, I can ask you squids, right? That, you know, anything in a ship is, is going to be compact. It's narrow. It's narrow. And you, and you can't help but brush shoulders. And so, exactly. so who's this guy? You're not going to brush shoulders with him? So I don't like him. Can't go into the head when he's in the head. Well, you know, they won't probably let you near anywhere. Near. He's not. He's not That's going to the head that the sailors are going into. Believe me, no, he's, he's going not, into huh? the uh, the admiral's, the admiral's head. head. So uh, anyway, so I never saw the movie. I know what's her name, Kristen Dunst, was in it as a as a young kid. And now she's Kirsten an actress. Dunst. Yeah, Kristen Dunst. And um, Anne Rice wrote it. Did you see it? Um, switch. Uh, let me ask Gary. Gary, did you see it? What you think of it? I, you know, I really didn't, but I understand uh, in the movie uh, Pitt and Cruz are gay. No, no, they, don't they, say no. that. That's what I heard. Perhaps. I heard that. They, 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 were, they it, had it, tendencies. From they, my limited research, it said it's the, uh, it's the first gay-related uh, film to gross more than $100 million mm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. And the, the best-selling gay movie is uh, that Robin Williams' Birdcage. Oh. And yeah. this is second, so you know there has to be something to it. Oprah Winfrey, she saw the first fifteen minutes of the yes. movie. She walked out. She said, wow. "This is just too gory for me." So. Really? Yeah. What? It was not a gory movie, was it? Just too scary no. for her. Maybe she had some place else to go. I heard it was. I didn't see it either. Did you see it, Nerskala, by any chance? No. About vampires. Don't you, don't you like vampires? Don't you into vampires and werewolves? Yeah, I do like vampires. Okay. But I don't like Tom Cruise. But no, tell see, you what, there, there was attractive vampires going on. Okay. So I, I understood the, <laughs> the the relationship that was taking place. Between Tom and, uh, yeah. what's his name? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you're a little more rainbow than we are. Would you agree? I am. I, okay. Um, All right. I wear That's it proudly. I, I let that freak flag fly there every you go. so often. Okay. Uh, once again, separate cars. Well, let me add one more thing, just to continue this game. Team. Go ahead. Dan Rice uh, <laughs> was going to uh, pick uh, Tom Cruise to play the, uh, the Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks to play the Tom Cruise 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, because he just got off the film Philadelphia. Yes. Oh, oh right. And, and, yes. But Tom uh, Tom Hanks said, eh, "I'm sorry, I'm going to play this new movie called." Forrest Gump. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, he made the right decision. So, um, anyway, um, you said, uh, Nurse Kayla, you don't like Tom Cruise. Why? He's he's too much of a princess. There, wow. Mm. There you go. One more mm. you need to know there, JJ. Okay. Yeah. He, really he is. is. He disappoints me in that category. And that whole is. idea of. He's, of a, he's a diva. He's yep. a diva. And I mean, to, to the nth degree, and this whole. And we talked about it before. It, you know, if you're going to do, so, if you're going to go onto a navy ship, and these are veterans and so on and so forth, okay, you don't go on and insult them like that. You it's simply, their home for crying out loud. Yeah, you you arrive in style. You get off a plane. Everyone is cheering. You go have some ice cream with them in the in the chow hall yeah. and say, "Listen, we're going to tough do, can it be? We're going to do our job. You do your job. You know, we'll, we'll try not to get in your way and 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 go down and have a party at the end of it, and everyone's happy. But they took the exact opposite way. Don't look at them. Gave them the start treatment. And everyone, and no cameras, of course, or phones or when you're around Tom Cruise, but everyone starts tweeting it. Who's this guy? What's going on here? You know? And, and they just went about it all wrong. Yep. Uh, next film title, please. Nurse Kayla. Uh, number three is The Sixth Sense in 1999. Okay. A great movie. Do you agree, Incredible. Gary? It's a gr- it's oh, a- beyond. It's yeah. just, uh, I was just, it's another one, though, uh you didn't know what was really going on right. until that ending. The, the twist was right. one of the most unique twists I've seen in a movie. And the first, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan did that movie and um, and, and had a guy in it that I don't like either. I don't like many of these people in Hollywood, but uh, what's his name is in it there? I can't stand that Bruce guy. Willis. Bruce Willis. Oh, man. But he's so. Johnny Walker. Like Bruce Willis? I don't like Bruce Willis. I think Bruce Willis. Because I think he's a princess, too, frankly. Okay, that's another show. But. But he is so good in that movie because he he, you know, he's usually in the uh, you know those uh, skyscraper movies and stuff, Die Hard and everything. And, he well, just, and what's wrong with those? Uh, there's nothing. If you want to go see an action movie, they're okay. great action movies. But he downplays his role in that, so he's the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he just downplays it in a way that it just makes the ending. Or when you find out what the punchline is, you just go, "Wow!" And I know people who have gone back and seen that movie. I know I'm taking Gary's time here. I've seen that movie three or four times, and they go back and they count the instances of where the uh, foreshadowing, as they call it in film school, of the punchline mm-hmm. of the of the you know of the boom at the yeah, end, you know. Right. And it's like a perfectly made movie, Gary. Correct? Yeah, I mean, he, he never opens the door. The the chair he sits in the restaurant with the wife uh, with the wife is already pulled out. Yep. When yeah. he reaches for the check, his wife beats him yeah. to, to pay for it. It's like, that never happened. Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. The guest doing commentary that, again. That must have been what made the movie a fraud. Huh? Yeah, was what, the, the wife picked the, up the check? The, yeah. Wow. Okay. But you know, that key Good luck scene to both where of the us. kid. Yes. You know, the key scene where the kid, Cole, goes, I see dead people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the camera goes to Bruce Willis. Yeah. The producer thought, oh, boy, this you can't give it away. Don't give it away. Never, yes. Let me... Never even the audience. Yep. Did you ever see that, Kayla? I did. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, it really is. It's really effective, you know? I mean, yeah. a lot of these scary movies, that yeah, they just scare you, but that one, wow. You, when you leave the theater and you're still thinking about it like the next day and stuff, you know that it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And probably the best movie he ever did. And and what's his name is in it? The, the little kid's name is, um, he's grown up now. Osmond. Yeah. Haley. Haley Joe Osmond. Haley yeah. Joe Osmond. Okay, he's great in it. And then Donnie Wahlberg is in it. 
And then he lose, I read once, that he lost like 100 pounds to play that pot, and he's only in it for about three or four seconds, uh, uh, you know, 10 seconds maybe. And he just went down to skeleton and bones, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden then he was in Band of Brothers, and he's actually a non-bad actor, you yeah. know. So, yeah, really good movie. If you haven't seen it, just, just you know, catch it, because it's uh, if you like scary movies, it's a good scary movie. Uh, next um, film title, please, Nurse Kayla. Number two is The Shining in 1980. Oh. Gary, you start with this one, please. Uh, I devote a lot of uh, in my book of the uh, chapter Stanley Kubrick about this movie. It is one the well, it's number two in horror movie, so you can't yes. get any better than that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where to begin. I, I could go on for hours about detail in this movie, but uh, you got to, you know, um, we're both writers. You know how intense we are writing a book. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Me or Switch? Are you talking to me or Switch? You. Oh, three writers. Okay, so we got three book authors. You know how intellectually intense you're just, you know, into the book. That key scene where where Shelley Duvall interrupts Jack while he's uh, (laughs) typing away is one of the most incredible scenes I've ever seen. Where he just rips right into her. Like, don't bother me again. Yep. yep. All work and all play make yeah. Jack a, a dull boy. There's a number of movies that are like writer's block themed movies. There's a Coen Brothers movie. Right. Uh, I can't think of the title. Well, you know, what's the name with, uh, uh, what's the name and um, Johnny Depp movie too is. Uh, what's the one up. of, what's the one where she breaks the uh, writer's legs until he finishes the. the oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Misery. 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 Yeah. Yeah. People have told me James don't Todd. see that movie. Don't go see that movie. <laughs> so I'm going to take their advice. So uh, The Shining, this is why I don't like The Shining. You're not going to believe this, okay? Oh. I, I think, I know, I think Jack Nicholson overacts like crazy in The Shining, okay? I think the whole idea coming through the door, here's Johnny and that kind of stuff, I think it adds an edge to it that, that it sounds weird in such a movie, but it's not really real. You know what I mean? Because it's too much Jack being Jack? Yeah, too much Jack being Jack, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. we're not talking about Jack Daniels, yeah. okay? We're talking about right. Jack Nichols. And there's too too much of them. And and when you see that movie, I mean, that's literally the poster. So a lot of people say you can't door. get too much Jack in uh, that sense. You know, I think a little Jack In the context of the movie, away, I think I think that was... The right amount of Jack. It was a little mm-hmm. over the top, Jack. No. But you know, I, I'm with Mac on that one. And, and the other thing I didn't Thanks. like was, of course, like they didn't the have the technology. But if you read the novel, the yes. the thing about the hedge animals, the yes. hedges, and kind of you know, you you see them out of the corner of your eye. Uh, they they kind of did it in the TV production that they finally did. Right. But I was I remember being so disappointed that they. Uh, Change, you know, Kept obviously filmed to a different medium, but they changed some things that were really right. disappointing. The, uh, the, uh, the, the hedgerows that are surround this uh, hotel, they come to life, you know, which is kind of strange, but definitely Stephen Kingish. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Oh. One, one, this is one of your Well, and one? Jack oh. being Jack in a, in a uh, scary sense, like in the, the Devil and the Witches of Eastwick. Yes, okay. I mean, you want a Jack. You, know, you want a Jack to. I, I love that movie. That's a terrible movie. It's film, <laughs> filmed up <laughs> Crane's Beach. Filmed up Crane's Beach right it was? down the street. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Huh? And Scatman Crothers, his yeah, character. Yeah, right. Wasted yeah. in the film. Right. I mean, great, great character in and the book. And almost killed him. Almost, he, he said later on, they almost killed me, you know, because they had me doing, you know, Kubrick had him doing the scene 350 times walking through a door or I, something. You know? I, I know, but they, they, they pretty much 
particularly they do something to the character that uh, I don't I know if anybody, probably everybody's seen it, but I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Here's this phenomenal character, yeah. one of Stephen King's best characters in yeah. all his novels, and Kubrick destroys it. Yep, yeah. See, I think that the focus is too much on Jack, and you know there were scary moments in it, but you know I think that that you know the Jack being Jack coming through the door. That's the poster for it. You know, everyone yep. got a laugh, but it's not a place to get a laugh. You know, you're supposed to be scaring people, you know. So I think it was one. I think this is Kubrick was on his kind of on the on the decline in a way, even though, you know, I've also wrote my dissertation about uh, Stanley Kubrick. You did? Um, wow, a dissertation? 2001. You bet your ass there, Pat. Wow. Yeah. What do you think? I'm stupid? Clockwork I'm, Orange? I'm smart. I'm, I'm smart. smart. Yeah. Clockwork Orange was, was not what it should have been. Oh, it just wasn't. Barry Lyndon's a great movie, mm -hmm. even if you want to sit mm -hmm. through four hours of what it was really like back then. It's a great movie. You know, Ryan O'Neill is in it. Who can get a good yep. performance out of that guy? I know. I'll, I'll agree with you there, too. Oh. It, was, it was captivating, the whole thing. It really is, yeah. Yeah, it, to the reality of it. And uh, But, you know, and then he went to, I don't know what he had, and he didn't do anything for a long time, and then he did that awful Eyes Wide Shut. I saw it for the first time all the way through. Okay. My wife was in bed. I was yes. up. And I, can't, I can't believe it's on. Go ahead. She can't kick me out of the room now. Right. And? And it blew my mind. Oh, geez. I didn't know the ending. Yeah. Okay. How old is that movie? It's like. It's insane. too old. I think it's a hot. <laughs> what, I what did ending? not know about you know the the, the what, deal there. What the, what, what, the, what the, you mean that it, it takes him like a half hour to explain the movie to you when they're playing pool and drinking and yeah, stuff. Well, Come know, on. It, it's, I, sometimes it's, you need a boost. No, you don't. <laughs> not like that, Mister Film School. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so um, did you happen to see that, uh, Nurse Gale? Eyes Wide Shut with little Tommy Cruise? Nope. No. Okay. It's pretty good. And there's a scene in it. No, it's not. It's awful. There's a, there's a scene in it where um, Tom Smoke Cruise. Smoke a little and see it. Uh, so, okay. Tom, no, don't. Don't. You'll ruin it forever. No. Uh, don't check ruin in, it Check me. in with me afterwards. No, don't. So there's a scene in it where Tom Cruise, he's a doctor, and, he, and someone has counted. He says 42 times in the movie, I'm a doctor. Because everyone has to be convinced that he's a doctor, okay? Because he doesn't look or Sometimes act Sometimes you like forget him. he's a doctor. And he's married to, you know, his real wife. She's also not a nurse. Too, right, right. And um, They're not playing nurse and doctor. They, they smoke a joint together. Yeah. Okay? And I've actually <laughs> sent the clip to people and have said, really this is why you never smoke pot yeah. with your wife, okay? Because she just... Comes down on him on every possible thing that you know he is might any mistake he has made in twenty years when you left the cap off the peanut butter you know when we first get married that type of thing and it's a nightmare it's a friggin nightmare so that is really good at it okay that dynamic is pretty cool to explore yeah. I could get a get of it Who would want to <laughs> you wouldn't want to be in that situation but that's why. That's why it's so pathetic. Yeah, it was just it was just awful, awful, awful. And what's her name? And once she's not really good in that movie, you know. No, it's you know. what's her name again? I forget can, her can name. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, you know. And at the end, the ending is the, the last line in Ms. it. Mrs. Is Keith Urban. Stupid. Yeah. So anyway, so um, yeah, Keith I, I don't like the luckiest the guy on the planet. That you never know. You never know what other people are going through. The one Nicole Kidman. Wow. What is the? Uh, are we at uh, number one there, Kayla? Smoking. We're at number one. Okay, number one. Here we go. Number one scariest classic paranormal movie. Uh, we have Gary Olson, a very famous author, as a guest. Switchblade Steve is on with us. One one is here, and also Nurse Kayla announcing the top ten classic paranormal movies. Here is movie number one. The Exorcist. Yeah. Okay. Nineteen seventy-three. No. Scary movie. Oh. Yeah, that's William Friedkin. Um, Gary, you want to start? 
Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was filmed, uh, at least the exteriors were filmed in Georgetown, just mm-hmm. right up the pike where I, uh, I live. And every time I pass by those stairs, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's on the main thoroughfare in Georgetown mm-hmm. where the, uh, the priest falls down. Yep. And uh, I, I just get the willies, even just looking at those stairs. It's yep. just one of those movies you'll never forget. Of course, we grew up, we were very, very, very young growing up but it just i mean it scared so many people in the uh, audiences audiences right. were throwing up they were getting nauseated some paramedics had to go into the audience it was it was that rip much riveting in uh, in the time 1973 when it was made it was just an incredible movie right it was um you know once again uh you know because i used to do pr i'm always suspicious when stuff like that happens people getting sick and everything you know who who really saw people getting sick you know and if you if you have a scary movie out there and and they're requiring paramedics to come into the audience you've struck gold you know what i mean <laughs> when you go see yeah. a movie just on that alone there yeah. nurse kayla yeah yes <laughs> see you know and and in and, and which is fine you know these people it's they're promoting the movie and it's a cool way to do it in a way you know but that's a scary movie. That's just some of the scenes in that are just so, so off the wall. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> just it, crazy. It's tense. But remember that the film, uh, The Haunting, the original Haunting right. with we Claire gonna, Bloom and Julie Harris. Yes, we were going to include virtually, that. What's that? We were going to include that in the list. Oh, okay. But go ahead. It's it's a very oh, okay. it's well, a landmark yeah, it's, scary it's, film. With, with no, virtually no special effects, all built on mood, it is the creepiest film to see late at night. And I just think it's much more skillful than a, a film like The Exorcist. The Exorcist is a, like, like a salt on your senses, but the uh, the haunting is just very well crafted. Yes. You know who directed that, don't you? Who? Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, the Ersted still guy, right? Well, Robert Wise. Oh, Robert the, Wise. Uh, right. A year later, he directs a movie called Sound of Music. Wow, what a switch. Huh? And in <laughs> 51, he directed The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, The Day the Earth Stood Still with Michael Rennie. Yeah. Right. Um, he was the editor of Citizen Kane. Really? So he's really been in there. Right, wow. okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that I got I to admit, that's, now that I think back on it, you know, I've seen movies like, Last House on the Left and stuff. They're not paranormal. They're just more like splatter movies, you know, blood splatter movies. But just the kind of movie that you sit there and, like an alien, for instance, okay? When everything, you know, they go to the planet and something happens to the guy and then, you know, they're back on the ship and everyone's eating dinner and everything's cool, okay? And then all of a sudden the creature comes out of his stomach. That's scary, yeah, you know what that- I mean? That's scary. And it's scarier than some guy coming at you with a with a chainsaw, frankly, you know? So... Those are the classic paranormal movies. Yeah, I don't need blood in my face to be scared, but that alien stuff right. was. And and the fact with Sigourney the Sigourney Weaver was just a right. Yeah, her first big movie, and she's good in it. Um, and they made a franchise. How out about of it. that Ghost Ship? Yeah, cool. Deal. What was the name of that movie? Oh yeah, I think it was called Ghost Ship. Yeah, Ghost, Ghost Ship. Ship. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff is. It's a lot better than a splatter yeah. movie in my mind. You know, so everybody's dancing, and all of a sudden, yeah, ba boom. <laughs> um, so listen, there's the top ten. Classic paranormal nice. movies, okay? Um, we're going to do sometime in the near future the top 10 best UFO movies. You know, people like movies, we like talking about them. Mm-hmm. So we have to first give a round of applause to our special, special guest, Nurse Kayla, tonight. All right, baby. Nurse Kayla, on top you. of all the movies. What can you prescribe for us? Could you, is there something you can do? Uh, yes, do some THC. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> give her another round of applause, please. Thank you. And check my blood pressure. Thank please. you.
Nurse Kayla, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks a lot. And you know, we're going to wrap up the show right now. How about that, kids? Okay. Okay. Uh, Gary, uh, thanks for joining us there, Gio. It's my pleasure as always. What's the name of your book again? The 15 Geniuses Behind the Lens. You just look up my name, Gary Olson, O-L-S-E-N. You can buy it on Amazon.com. There you go. Okay. And uh, you give lectures around the country, correct? Yeah, I did a uh, tour of Florida during the wintertime. Okay. Spoke to four universities. Good timing. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, besides being a little active this summer, I'm taking a little hiatus from it. Oh, wow. So and, it's such uh, hard yeah. work. Yeah, going going back in the fall. Okay, all right, good for you. So you get out of Florida when the weather gets uh, cold up here. Is that right? That's the ticket. I like that plan. Well, come on up now. It's uh, the sun will be out uh, someday. Yes. It's raining. <laughs> it's raining every day, and it's in the fifties. Other than that, it's been splendid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us there, Gio, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Gary, I have your book. When you come up here to New England, uh, you can sign it for me. Sign it with a big X. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We'll do. All yeah. right. Um, I get a feeling that Thank meeting you. will take place on Mac's deck. What do you think? Yep, absolutely. There's a good chance <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, and Cobra will do a flyover. Right. Switch, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. It was great to be here tonight. Reporting and so on and so forth. It was a good show. And we also want to thank Coco for joining us and also our favorite bartender, Megan Reagan. Absolutely. So until you hear from us next week, this is Mac for the entire gang saying, um, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye.